Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Five, four, three, two, zero, all engine running. In a world where a dink and dunk offense is the standard, no one rises higher than the Carolina Panthers. Only one man can bring you such mediocrity. He goes by many names. We introduce him as Teddy Two Gloves, Teddy Turnovers, and a Bridgewater Band-Aid. But all we know is he has a Teddy... Welcome to Major Media Developments. Welcome to Charlotte. Just kidding. Kind of. This has been a Blake B. production. What's up, Panther fans? It's your boy, the professor, a.k.a. Tony Dunn. It's the C3 Panthers podcast brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. Every Tuesday night, chopping up the latest Panthers news and opinions from the fan perspective. Um, I do it each and every week with my homeboys, but first, before I get to them, big shout out to Blake Bettis uh, for <laughs> the surprise intro. Hopefully, um, you guys got the humor in a lot of that. People are already making fun of my hair. I got just took a shower. Um, all right. Um, now let me introduce my homeboys. What's up, Cody Lashney? How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good, man. We're getting ready to have a battle of the big cats uh, between the Panthers and the Detroit Lions. Um, the season has not gone the way many people would have hoped, but we know that. And listen, man, we are your Panther psychiatric help man we're here every tuesday night talking about the carolina panthers with the best fans and all of youtube tony and you know they're already here tim tizzy brad dugan blake bettis shout out for the intro man joy the blind panther esquivel c brad dugan trill warren michael jones travis hands tony dunn and nothing to it but to do it brother let's roll we got Greg, the man of many podcasts, a.k.a. the Bat Daddy, the Stat Daddy. What's up, Greg? Not a whole lot, man. Brought some stats with me tonight. It's been a long week. Uh, I'm on a street podcast. It's Tuesday. It's like seven days in a row. So uh, <laughs> Your week go. doesn't end. Yeah, I got the night off tomorrow. Okay. So I no podcast tomorrow. But no podcast tomorrow. tomorrow. Um, and okay. we've got the master of all streams, CK, in the house. How is it going, boys? Are you just running right out of the office and running into the podcast room? Uh, you could say out of the office if you want, but it's same same desk, same sitting situation, just transitioned computers. <laughs> you <laughs> just tra- Did you get from- that intro, CK? 
What is that? Did you catch that intro? Uh-uh. What was you it? Gotta go back, oh, you got to go back whenever. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, well, I'll send it to you. Blake Bad has put together a little intro for uh, Teddy BD. Um, oh. <laughs> all right. Um, I also want to go ahead. We'll go ahead and get a shout-out to mybookie.ag. You want to place a bet on, um, you know, NBA basketball's approaching, right? You you got all the news right now of the trades going on, so you can get pumped up for that. And then after Christmas, I, I assume that college basketball is coming back. But you've got the back end of the NFL season. You can go make some coin at my bookie. You use the promo code OVERTIME. They'll match half your deposit since we're past halfway of the NFL season up to $1,000. You put in $1,000, they'll give you 500 bucks on top. You put in 100 they'll give you 50 bucks on top. And then you go and you flip that and you flip that and you flip that and you have fun or you do what I do. And as you just have fun, maybe a little sadness and probably break about even. But anyway, you can go to mybookie.ag. You want to use the promo code OVERTIME. You could bet the Panthers at the Lions. Let's check out what the line is right now. Uh, I'm going to mybookie myself. Mybookie.ag, promo code OVERTIME. I'm on my breaking computer. Let's see what the Carolina Panthers' odds are. NFL is always at the top. What are we, week 11? Week 11 odds. We are week 11. Falcons are five-point dogs to the Saints. And the Carolina Panthers, where the hell is the game on the list? Are we they on the not- No. We have uh, we're, we- we're week 11, and uh, we have a bye week in two more weeks. Right. Okay. So we do play the Lions on the 22nd, right? So that is this week. They have not put out the line yet for the Carolina Panthers. You know what that means? They don't know which way it's going. Ooh. That means that they, they, it all depends upon – I think they're waiting until they understand what's going on with Teddy B. Yep, that's exactly right. So go to my bookie, promo code overtime. All right, the Carolina Panthers got shellacked by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I went back and watched the game today, um, and really it was – Kind of to be expected. That's my point right now. It's really nothing surprising about a team that has a lot of offensive weapons, has a, a, a superior defense to put the whooping on. I think the fact is that the Carolina Panthers have been competitive in these games and were competitive in that game in the first half, as well as competitive all throughout the season. That kind of gives us sort of a, I won't say a false sense, but a sense that any given Sunday type attitude and now, um, really, the Panthers are on a five-game losing streak, and you're seeing that it's tough to win when teams are more talented at this point. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being a little too pessimistic here, but I don't think you could say we're an over-talented team on defense or on this offensive line. So, guys, the Carolina Panthers to off the butt whooping. Uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Are you guys ready to say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, despite losing to the Saints twice, are the best team in the NFC South? East, whatever we are, NFC South? NFC South, 100%. Thank you. No, I don't think so, no. In order to beat the man, you have to – in order to beat the man, you have to beat the man. And right now, the Saints win the division every year, and they've beaten Tampa Bay two times. And honestly, I trust Sean Payton more uh, – I mean, other than their fucking collapse every year, uh, they've been in the playoffs every year with a consistent football team. Um, I trust them more down the stretch than I do 
a brand new situation with Bruce Arians and Tom Brady and Antonio Brown and all this extra horse shit going on. Did you see uh, so Antonio no, Brown ready. is in trouble again? Huh? Antonio Brown had another incident. No, oh, no. What was it? Yeah, it was just something that happened before he was signed, like right before, and it happened in Florida, too, where it's it's alleged. It's alleged that he threw a bicycle at a security hut. Like, you know, like, I mean, I don't know if he's trying to get into place or something and destroyed the security camera. (laughs) So he threw a bicycle at Tom Brady's security guard's house. Yeah, Uh, it was the gated community security guard's uh, shack. That's what it was. Oh, gosh. Uh, He can't. It's it's CTE, folks. He's crazy at this point. Um, What do you think? Uh, I'm turning over to the other fellas. Is, Is... are the Saints the best in the division? And news that Drew Brees has got five broken ribs and a punctured lung. Jameis Winston likely to start. Taysom Hill fighting for a position at every position. Who's the best team in the NFC South right now? If we're talking about this Sunday, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If, if Drew Brees is not on that team... You can have Jameis Winston in there. You can have Taysom Hill in there. But it is a completely different team when – I mean, even when you – you guys want to go back and look at when Teddy Bridgewater, he won those five games, right? Even if you look at that that five-game stretch, they weren't the same team on offense. Like, Teddy Bridgewater didn't necessarily elevate the people around him like Drew Brees does. So I think if Drew Brees is out of the equation, 100%, it's going to be Tampa Bay. People in the chat room are wondering about who we're going to play at quarterback if we're going to play Will Greer or if we're going to go with uh, P.J. Walker. Walker, Well, let's bring that up since we do bring the latest news and opinions from the fan perspective. The latest news is Teddy Bridgewater suffered an injury in the Sunday game. What have you guys heard about this injury and his status going forward this week? So I've heard that it's an MCL sprain, that it is minor, which whatever that means, you know, I don't know if it means it's going to be a problem for him going forward. But as of right now, he is day-to-day with a possibility of playing the Sunday. So, um, yeah, I don't know. And it's so weird, man. Like, listen, uh, I think P.J. Walker has had a lot of fans. Look, we already have fans in the chat screaming out P.J. Walker Mm -hmm. and saying it's his time. And, man, listen, I don't know. uh, Maybe it takes a new hand – uh, a new set of eyes to be able to do something different on offense. You know, um, wouldn't it be something if Teddy sat and then PJ Walker comes in and Line does what he does. In the yeah. Yeah, <laughs> or if Teddy Bridgewater sits and we score three points, which is a real possibility, yeah, yeah, you know, very possible too. <laughs> very, yeah. very possible. Um, and to give Teddy some credit is at the very uh, minimum, We've moved the ball and been competitive at times. It's just that I and you know what I really I saw, it, you know, you kind of see it against the Chiefs. You saw two weeks in a row what Teddy Bridgewater isn't, and that was on the other side of the ball, right? And I know that Tom Brady isn't the explosive quarterback that you know that can put up all these points or whatever, but he still. He's on a very talented team, and he's arguably the greatest quarterback in the history of football still. I mean, at this ever, right? 
And then you have Patrick Mahomes, who is clearly the best quarterback. Him and Russell Wilson fight for it every week. Um, but they were we were ahead in both of those games, right? And it didn't feel like enough. Yeah. Like is that you just knew that, and they both both teams got got back into it very quickly. The Panthers, if we fall behind, arguably it's our game is just not suited to put points up quickly, right? And that is, I think, what the point that I, I think a lot of us have been making has been so far. Um, but Teddy Bridgewater suffering this injury, I think the coach said that, I mean, they think, I think he's going to play. I don't think it's that, you know, is that things are, he should be able to play. If they don't play him, they're gonna. It's probably treating him with kid gloves a little bit. But do you guys want to see PJ Walker or do you want to see Will Greer? Man, take take that one, Greg. I don't yeah. know how I feel about the this only set. only thing I know is the only, last time I saw Will Greer, it didn't look good. And last time I saw PJ the other day, it didn't look good either. But I know that I've seen PJ Walker has a damn rocket. That guy can chuck the ball a thousand miles an hour. So I know he can get it downfield. So I'd like to see what our receivers could do with somebody that I know can get it downfield. But I have no idea how accurate he is. I, mean, I know nothing about the guy other than I've seen him throw a few times and he throws a rocket. Um, but either one really works for me, I guess. Because like I said, I've seen Will Greer. Maybe there's a resurgence. Maybe he'll come out and play well. You never know. I mean, CK? things happen. Stranger things happen. Did he walk away? CK, oh. uh, CK you there? All right, uh, Cody, who do you want to see? Because yeah, I, I think yeah, I want to see I'm, Will Greer. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I feel like we're all going to want to say Will Greer. And honestly, it should be Will Greer. Mm-hmm. Listen, it should be Will Greer. And I feel that if it is P.J. Walker, then, again, that's even more of an indictment on the people making decisions on our football players. Again, so then there's this whole – I don't know how long you wanted to dedicate to this, but uh, we picked up Tommy Stevens, the guy that we wanted that had a Joe Brady connection. Uh, he went to Penn State, and the then the Saints picked, yeah, the quarterback. Then the Saints picked him up, and then they uh, cut him. We signed him off the practice squad, and then today we cut him again. So it's like they, they, it feels like there's no rhyme or reason to the decision makings uh, in our building. And the fact that we used the 100th pick in the draft on a quarterback, it could have been Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. It could have been some a better player. And yet we took Will Greer, and Will Greer has yet to prove his worth to this football team. But didn't we only see him one game last year? I'm, I'm just wondering. I'm not sure. Yes. Two, I think two. two. Yeah. It was one, one, I mean, one and a half, something like that. Couldn't beat out an undrafted Kyle Allen. Right. And was Will Greer the last year or the year before draft? It was Will the year Greer before. Was in, uh, it, yeah. In 2018. With Galden and them? So last year would have been his second year. Correct? Okay. This is his third year, I think. Mm-hmm. No, in 2018 when we drafted um, uh, DJ Moore. Was last year's rookie year really? Mm. Yeah, last year. Last mm. because okay. Hold on, someone yeah. tell us. Yeah. Someone in the chat room. Oh, Will Greer. 
yeah. remember, that's when I was saying that that was David Tepper's insurance policy. If anything were to happen to Cam Newton, that's right. That okay, they, so it was last year. This would be his second year, uh, and I, I think the argument really is is that if you don't, you're right. I think I just agree with you, Cody. Like I have nothing to disagree with on this. The oh, like you said, an indictment of really that it was it's been a busted pick if you don't choose to see what he's got a little bit. Second, uh, you probably are looking to see at this point if he's just worthy to be a backup quarterback. Yeah. To take a couple yep. of snaps if if somebody gets hurt for a little while, maybe start a game or two until the starter gets back. That type of backup quarterback. Not a yep. backup quarterback you think you will be probably or likely grooming into the heir apparent. And on top of that, um, I think he's kind of old already. You know, I think he came out of college a little bit on the older side. So he's like going to be 20. He's probably only a year or a year younger than Teddy or two years younger than Teddy. Yeah, and, I think he's like 23, 24. No, he was like 25 yeah, when he came 25. out of college, I think. He's 25 now. He was born in 95. Yeah, okay. because he went, to, uh, he went to, to Florida and tested positive for something and then had to transfer. And that's when he went to West Virginia. So I think um, CK, your thoughts? If we had to trot out a quarterback, and I saw was it, it might have been Mike Jones? Someone else uh, said put, try both of them. Um, yeah, I mean you could you could do that. Yeah. I mean I think I think if if they want to run the offense the same way New Orleans did, try to use and you're not going to be able to do this to the exact extent, but try to use uh, Will Greer at quarterback and then. Throw in PJ Walker as like a Taysom Hill type. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't think uh, PJ Walker has the uh, ability to play. You know, Taysom Hill's a big boy. You know what I'm saying? Like um, Walker's pretty big too, isn't he? No, no, he's mm-hmm. tiny as all really get really out. Tiny, tiny, yeah. Is he? Uh, yeah, he looks tiny out there. The um, I think this is. It's almost. I, I think you kind of know more what you have with PJ Walker. Right. I mean, I think you just kind of know is that you've seen him play in the XFL. Matt Rule's coached him in the past. Uh, You know that he's a mobile quarterback that can throw on the move and has an arm undersized and just is raw and potentially could be refined as a super project. But the idea that you are kind of investing a lot in P.J. Walker he ain't going nowhere, right? I think the question is, just with Will Greer, is whether or not you should just part ways with him. And uh, and there was a lot of draft capital put into him. And we have parted ways with other picks that were drafted in that range. Rashawn Golden being one, or Rashad Golden, whatever his name was. Um, the idea, though, is how long do we keep him around and I don't think Stevens was brought in to potentially be a quarterback. I think there's some people saying that he was – that some people thought he could be a tight end. Can you believe that? Crazy. A tight end? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I heard. I anyway, um, CK, final thoughts on P.J. Walker. Actually, more about Will Greer and how the, the organization – and one thing we didn't other mention is that it's under the sort of previous regime – Although Marty Herney's around, this is not a Matt Rule, Joe Brady guy. When do they, you know, what do you think is going to happen? What should happen? Um, I, I don't think that 
will I, I they have clearly not chosen between the two, right? Because one week it's Will Greer, the next week it's PJ Walker that's active or inactive. And I, I think that right now, and I've, I mentioned it early in the season when we were talking about who is our backup. I don't know that we have a specific one in mind because the reality is, even if you take the two games that he, or even game and a half or whatever it was last year that he started, I mean, you were throwing him to the Wolves, even though we were all calling for it. You threw that guy to the Wolves. Mm -hmm. And and until you give an opportunity to actually face a team with a good team or at least a good offense, you're not really going to know. Last year, we did not have a good offense. Our offensive line. We didn't have a good anything. Yeah. I mean, it just it wasn't it wasn't a great situation to be thrown into. And again, and that at that point in time, it was against a decent defense. And that was the Saints, right? Didn't we play him against the Saints? I'm looking. I can't uh, remember. Yeah, I think he got way, hurt, uh, too, or something. Like, he didn't play very much. Yeah, because yeah, then we hurt. went yeah, to – or maybe he was the third option. Do you remember we had Tyler something? No. He Taylor was, he was Heineke, Heineke. 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 Yeah, yeah. He was, didn't uh, we have him yeah, play was, a game, too, he last year? He went to the XFL. Um, yeah. Yeah, By the was, way, I wanted to make an amendment to something I said earlier. We didn't, in fact, uh, release Tommy Stevens. He's still on the team. We released Seth the Valve. I don't know how my mind got Tommy Stevens out of that. Uh, but, it, it, again, it's how much are we even going to see him used. Um, so, I don't know. I think that we're kind of hurting at the quarterback position all the way around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, honestly, from our – from our starter down, I don't have a lot of faith in the quarterback position for the Carolina Panthers. I got to say, um, Cody, you missed the real opportunity for a real zinger of a joke. And uh, CK said this. CK said, uh, we have not decided on who our backup quarterback is. That was his question. And I just wanted, I was trying not to steal your thunder, but I was going to say, Cody thinks it's dang Teddy Bridgewater. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, we could could go and get the Teddy Bridgewater be backing up the rookie in the draft. No, um, (laughs) I have some thoughts. I mean, hey, I'm not, you're not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. But yeah, you should have just said that. And then, uh, yeah, you would have gotten the credit for that joke. Um, I still get the credit for the joke. Yeah, you still uh, get the credit for the joke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah we haven't decided. I, I agree is that, look, is that this is an evaluation year. Matt Rule said it over and over. Yeah. So I don't know why you wouldn't be interested in evaluating, um, you know, the guy that potentially could be the backup next year or the year well, he's after. Seen, he's seen a few snaps of P.J. Walker in the NFL now. He has not seen mm-hmm. that of Will Greer. He can go back and look at tape all he wants, but it's not his offense. It's, it's not his team. So, I mean, he said, like, even at the beginning when people were asking him who's going to win that starting job or that backup job, he said, I haven't seen anybody. I haven't seen either of them play. Now he's seen P.J. Walker play. I think to, I think if, if Teddy Bridgewater's out, I think you see him try to test out Will Greer. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, see, any other news surrounding this week and the team uh like oh oh the shaq thompson curse him out shaq oh, yeah, thompson 
Alright, so right now I guess the the there's nothing on. It's a slow news week right now when it comes to the Carolina Panthers and arguably a slow news year. Interest oh, here is the most interesting note about all of this. Guess uh, the story on Panthers.com is the day after Shaq Thompson's speech. Guess who, or the author is, Darren Gant. Darren Gant used to be right for, now Darren Gant is a well-known Panthers sports reporter. He has been following the team from like, Back, I mean, like, and it's been from Greensboro or something. He used to work with, uh, like, old Charlotte newspapers. And then he went to pro football talk with um, who Matt Florio and all of them. He would come on. Uh, he comes on or used to come on WFNZ a lot. He goes on a lot of radio stations. He's a very – he's super funny. But the problem with Darren Gett, and I like his – I think he's a, a reputable sports reporter. The only thing is that I don't like about Darren Gant is that he laughs at his jokes harder than anybody else, and he never laughs at anybody. Like, he always thinks he's the funniest or the wittiest person in the room. Darren Gant wrote that. That's interesting. I just noticed that. Anyway, cornerback Rasul Douglas reported or noted after uh, the game, he said, Shaq Thompson basically cursed everybody out and said we didn't fight hard enough and then ultimately challenged his team uh, to fight it out um, going forward, right? And uh, what do you guys think about this? I have some important thoughts about the Shaq Thompson motivation speech, but on top of that, there immediately became a lot of uh, chatter on Twitter that was... uh, Shaq Thompson curses team out after game where he missed his gap assignments and struggled to tackle or something. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Your that thoughts. Uh, what is Shaq doing here? He is the been deemed the leader of this team by default, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess so. And and like I said, I like the I, I really like the the mindset and I like the idea of him doing this and I want somebody to be there that, that's motivating to do that, but I don't think Shaq Thompson has the credentials to be that guy. I mean, I don't think he's like able to call the people out. Like you said, he had a good game this weekend. He had some a few good tackles, the fourth fumble, but he didn't play great. You know, I, I mean? think he has to. I mean, but somebody had. I mean, like who else is going to do it? You know, you can't have a tired Whitehead do it. He's wearing you know, who C. on the defense is going to really Whitehead wearing the C? Why not? So I think that's. That. I don't. I can't believe that. Yeah, Sometimes they wear that. Uh, I don't know. Actually, I have nothing to say about that other than that's they. Somebody should go up to him and snatch it off of him and see what yeah. happens. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, now I, and I look at Shaq Thompson uh, very differently because I think that last year we had to pick between two people. Did we want to pay Shaq Thompson or did we want to pay James Bradbury? Because we weren't going to pay both of them. And I think that we're being shown we made the wrong decision. Like, let's be real. He can get on the team all he wants, but he really hasn't been an impact player for us in all the time that we've drafted him to be here. And in a year where we have lost a franchise um, legend in Luke Kingsley, uh, he was supposed to be the pillow that eased the blow of the drop-off. 
And frankly, he has not been that. And he has not been that veteran leader that we want uh, in the middle of our defense. And we thought that's what he was going to do. So um, I think first, uh, maybe he needs to criticize himself a little bit and uh, then dispense that to everyone else. Because I think I, I speak a little bit for all of us and that we've been very whelmed by his performance this year. I'm wearing his jersey right now, and I'm sad uh, to say it is that, like, he's not one of my favorite players on the team. And, you know, I tried no. and tried to root for him. I tried behind all the, well, you got, you're behind Luke Keekley, you're behind, um, Thomas Davis, but and when he comes in and he plays in a rotational capacity, sometimes he was like looking explosive and making great plays, and other times he wasn't. And I tried to say, well, that's just because he doesn't have enough reps and he's not in rhythm and he doesn't really know what his role is. And when he gets there, I've tried and tried and tried, and I really and like I don't. Right now, I have limited amount of jerseys I can wear. I can't wear any teal color jersey because in the green screen, I turn invisible. So I got to wear either a black jersey. <laughs> so I can wear a Cam jersey, a Steve Smith jersey, or this Shaq Thompson jersey, or my Steve Berline jersey. All the other ones are out because of the teal colors. And I got to say, this is like, I'm glad this is a China version of the Shaq Thompson jersey. <laughs> I'm glad that this isn't the 150 and this was the 50. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've all been disappointed with uh, his play, man. And we're going to have to draft a linebacker soon. I think. There is something good and important about this moment, though. And although we have been whelmed, like you said, excellent usage of the word with Shaq, Tom uh, Shaq Thompson has been whelming. Um, this is what... This was, despite who it came from, I think this is a necessary moment to double down on the team effort and the players continue to generate that expectation and that enthusiasm and that energy. And the reason being is that right now we're on a five-game losing streak you know, you kind of had maybe a little, be I won't say begin a little beginner's luck. You know, is that sure. we we won three, we run, we won three in a row. We've been competitive. We've all we're all kind of happy with the badness. Like it's like tolerable. That's why their podcast listens are down. That's why there's no stories on Panthers.com. There's like nothing. It's just whelming. And expected. The problem is that five-game slide could turn into an eight-game, right? A nine-game, right? A ten-game, and you don't or whatever it is, or how many games there are left. What are there? Five more games left? Uh, no, yeah. seven more weeks. So six more games left for everybody, right? Yeah. So we have we, we, we have we've played ten games. Body, with you. We've played ten games, right? We're three and seven. So we've got six left in a bye week. There it or right? Eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen. I wonder if anyone in Panther Nation and by the way, that means any of you on this podcast, any of our fans in the chat, has anyone even looked up what it would take for this current team? To make the playoffs, 
Like, I don't no even think it's really worth their time. Right? Is yeah, that, look, is the Saints and the Bucks, the division's out of hand, and then you look to the NFC West, and you see yeah. the Rams, who are, you know, put together a good week last last week. Their defense is pretty good, and you don't know I what you're... The Rams, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks are all tied right now, I think. And all three of them can come out of that division with the new playoff spot right and then you've got the vikings yeah. that are sort of surging sir right this yeah. right is that i mean you're gonna get green bay in that division you're gonna get uh say whoever the hell wins the east i don't know who that is maybe it's the oh, giants so then, who knows basically what that all amounts to is we're at we're already at the point where we're hoping that we lose every game going forward to secure a better draft pick, man. But like, that's why I think this speech and where it came from is very important to the squad. Because if you finish the season on a 10-game losing streak, despite getting a better draft pick, that gets the stink on the players in that locker room it really doesn't, and, and this was the one credit to Ron Rivera teams for a long time, or at least in the first six or seven years of his tenure, it felt like, and that was we finished strong, right? So so I think it's important to have to, to not lose the team, and I don't think that losing the team is always on the coaches. Like, I think the players not give up, but can lose that. And that's why I think this is an important moment. I think Shaq recognized that this is a moment much like CK and um, and Greg have alluded to that was very similar to the San Francisco game last year. And you don't want it to get away from us, right? You want to be working on the positives that we're losing, but we're getting better. That's why I think this is a good speech. And by the way, if you you know if you're on the football field, and no, so I do think there is some merit to to what you're saying. Um, if you if you're on the football field and you see your teammates, and you know you have five teammates that are giving all their effort, and then the other six are just dicking around, either not knowing what they're doing, not knowing their assignments, being out of position, then it's like, man, why why am I out here busting my ass if these lame brains are just missing tackles? not doing their job yeah man it's not just on the coaches to to keep the team motivated i mean right. i think uh, part of the accountability of a team sport is just that you hold each other accountable if i don't do my job then you're not able to do your job well i mean imagine how upset you are if you're someone like uh you know <laughs> shat thompson for example right and you know Tareer whitehead is supposed to seal a gap behind you, but he's just not in position and just doing all kinds of wrong shit. Yeah, that has an effect on everyone around you, and it can be debilitating, I would imagine. It, it can, but like we said before, if you're a guy like Shaq Thompson who's missing gaps in the games you're calling the people out for, you can't right. you, you can't really do that. I mean, but he like, hasn't been right. terrible. Sure. He just has been whelming. You know, he's like... Here's the thing with Shaq with this. He had his best game of the year, and now he felt empowered to be able to. Oh, that's a very good point. Shot fired. Um, yeah, that's a that's an excellent point. You know, that's hard to argue 
with that. You know, he's been kind of quiet at that point. I do think it's a tipping point, right? Is or a, maybe not a tipping point, but a av- a momentum point, and you a bad momentum point. You don't want it to go the wrong way. All right, uh, guys, uh, you're listening to C3 Panthers podcast. Go ahead and smash the thumbs up button. Uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. Hit the little bell notification. Interact with us on Twitter. You can follow me at cat underscore chronicles and can be a part of the show by calling in. The number is 252-228-5098. That's 252-228-5098. Let's go ahead and jump into the cat calls and start pounding through this. We'll let you guys take over the show. So what are your thoughts on cat calling? Yeah, I'm going to go refill my beer. And how did that make you feel? I'm very uncomfortable. So how do you think cat calling makes the person feel? It feels good like What's up, guys? Name's Zach, uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, usually listen on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, so never been in the chat room or anything. But uh, I just wanted to say... I actually think we're headed in the right direction. I think uh, with the ownership, I think he's shown uh, he wants to win, uh, mainly about what he did with uh, Matt Rule. I think uh, Matt Rule's actually done a phenomenal job with this team. Um, I don't know, man. I think, like, this is my thing. When was the last time going into any given Sunday we looked at a position group and we're like, yeah, we've got an advantage at that position group? Like, this year we might say, okay, running back when Christian's in there, and I know we would say it at quarterback when Cam was here, but Wide I mean, I don't think we have an advantage other than maybe when Christian's in at any position group this year. I mean, definitely none on defense. I mean, our defensive line, we've got a couple guys that as a whole, we don't have an advantage there, I don't think. Uh, I don't know. I do think we're headed in the right direction, though. I think uh, I think we're going to turn it around. I also think Marty Herney's got to get the fuck out of here, but... Hey, uh, I, I think we're headed in the right direction, and uh, we'll see where it goes. Y'all have a good one. Zach, thanks for your support. Uh like to hear where you guys are listening at. Um, thanks for calling in. First-time caller, hopefully continual caller. Likes the direction we're heading. I think he's right. We have limited parts. And he is on your team, Cody. Get away from Marty Herney. Yeah, man, we need to fire him. And um, before uh, sometime around the end of the season, I'm going to come out with a foolproof list of every reason to fire Marjorie Herney, and uh, it'll be premium content, I promise you. But, um, yeah, man, um, I, I do – he made a great point, Tony, in that we don't have one position group on our football team that we're, like, just super stoked about. Like, it used to be, man, we have the best linebackers – in the NFL, you know, Shaq Thompson with Thomas Davis led by Luke Kingsley. Like we had one of the best linebacking cores in the NFL. And he was like, we don't have one position group that's really of note. Or what about running back? Amongst the crowd. And he did mention CMC. Um, and, you know, but yeah, outside. Yeah, we have a star running back. We have a star running back, and we've got a solid backup in Mike Davis. We just don't know how to use them both together, and one struggling with injury, or both of them. But, and to a point that I made, um, I think, before the show, like, I don't feel as though we have one player on our football team 
where if they're on the football team or on the field, we have a chance to win. And I, you know, I, I generally and genuinely. Well, I don't know if you can. What teams other than. All right, so take away quarterback. Okay. Right? I think Aaron Donald probably changes the game. Um, I think Jalen Ramsey does. I think, um, uh, you know, what Khalil Matt does probably. I think. Uh, so if we're not doing quarterback, so you're just like, saying we don't have a superstar. That's really a better way of saying it because no, I don't believe. I think you put Aaron Donald on a bad defense and a bad offense. It don't matter. I, I mean, like I don't think that that one play. I think that's too much to ask. I think what you're more saying is we don't have a superstar that can yeah, collectively be built around. And I'm saddened for you to say that. Because I thought you were gonna say I thought it was gonna I thought it was Brian Burns. I thought it was Christian McCaffrey. I thought those are our superstars. They are, but I mean they've been on the football team the past two years and we've had a losing record. So So we've got a shitty team. That's like a straw man's argument, dude. No, but even more than that, okay, right now neither of those two equal what Luke Kingsley meant to us. Because it's like what one of the things that we're seeing is even if we didn't have the best talent on the football field, Luke was going to make sure, one, that you played your ass off, and two, that you were in the right position. So overall, that meant so much to our defense. But Aaron Donald doesn't do that that for the Rams. That is a superstar game changer that changes our chances on the field. And okay. right now, no no one else has been that for us, and we don't have that player on our on our roster right now. So, Cody, I want to go back and ask you the question I was talking to you about before we even start recording tonight, then, because it and because I, I want I want you to explain that to the, the the fans too, because I you know I want to hear it again as well. If we don't have the future quarterback, and we're not going to draft a quarterback this draft, and you don't see any players we can build a franchise around, what future? Why do you have a bright outlook in the future for Matt Rule and Joe Brady's tenure? If there's no bright spot on the team, do you think the players we have are supportive enough that if we got maybe two or three key pieces, we could be a competitive, solid team like in the mix? Yes. Or do you think that we're just not even that close? Because if we're not even that close, I just don't see how – I know you explained it. I don't see how in one year we can turn that around. Did you freeze up, Cody? Good. Sorry, he's Cody. In, he's, in, he's deep in thought right now. I, I tell you what, he, is, I'm glad he's deep in thought show, because but. it doesn't make – it's like kind of a – it's too much of an expectation. I think this right. is we don't have a – we have Christian McCaffrey, who is that star, we do. We have the top running back in the league. Yeah. And the only reason he's not the top running back is he's missed five games, and he's been durable to this point. So it's not like he's just been injury prone. Um, on top, I mean, the other thing is Alvin Kamara is having that, that type of year. Is having the best year ever, almost, it feels like. At least for my fantasy team, this motherfucker kills it every <laughs> damn week, man. Um, but... Where are the, I think that it's kind of like I I think that that's an expectation that's a little too high to have, and the only way you can have that is if you give him what he really wants, well, and well, what Cody well, really I, I, wants is Patrick the next Patrick Mahomes, 
We're the next well, Aaron Rodgers out there, but I'm just wondering how you you feel good about the future if we we're not anywhere close. All right, we're right. young. All right, I'll give you some reasons we should feel okay. good about the future. Number one, we're young. He, right he, reason he mentioned. Yeah. Number two, we're competitive in these games. We are competitive. Number yeah, three, somewhat, I yeah. I think that we have um, some real pieces that can be but built see, upon, you, and I think that is that, yeah. I do think Robbie Anderson is a guy that can man. If you put, if you went and you somehow drafted what turns out to be like the next Megatron, you know what I'm saying, and you put him yeah. beside Robbie Anderson, all of a sudden you got the best damn receiving core in the league. I think um, on two, uh, on top of that, like if you give Christian McCaffrey. All right, I would say this. If you gave, uh, you know, like, I don't know. If you gave our offensive line, how about this? If you built a strong offensive line, we could be competitive from week to week. And I with, think with the, the only I think the only way you're really going to flip the defense, like, to what, what position on defense really commands that? I think you need to have one superstar at each level of defense. And then, and then you can be, you can be legitimately competitive and have, yeah. You don't have to have superstars around you, but if you so what do we need? We need back, a superstar, superstar corner and one superstar lineman. We need a superstar corner. That's what we need because really, where else in the league? I feel like we're overly um, we overly appreciate linebackers. I think I think we've taken them for granted the last. We have probably, years, but we've always had good play. ones. Yeah, yeah. But what other teams? Name the teams in the yeah. league. Where you're like, oh god, their defense. We can't fuck with them. They got the best linebacker. I can't. I I don't even know. Who is it? Seattle's like that for a while. Baltimore, but they're not anymore. But they're not anymore. Baltimore, like I can't uh, name it. Who are they? I don't know. Usually have a pretty legit defense. I just don't know the player that would meet Cody's expectation. And um, I would say the closest, uh, like. The Trevath, like there's some Chicago linebackers that I felt like were always super high. That you know, coming out of the draft, people like this. I think probably the best linebackers are on the damn Bucks. Other than that, I yeah, think that right. expect. I just think what Cody is saying. We don't have an excitement factor. I don't think that's what he's saying. I know he doesn't say that's what he's saying, but I think that's what is the better way of putting it. We don't have a wow factor just yet. I must have said something to him, man. He hung up. He quit. Screw this. <laughs> Where did he go? I don't know. He froze up. I'm not sure what happened. He left. All right. Um, all right. Let's go to the next. Uh, CK, you got anything to say about that? Nope. Nope. <laughs> all right. I Fine. mean, Queen from Baltimore. Um. Okay. What's the guy from Indianapolis? Leonard? He's pretty good. Yeah, Darius Leonard. Darius Leonard yeah. is pretty good. All right, next call. What's up, guys? This is part two. I just want to clarify something I said earlier. Obviously, uh, this year fucking sucks. Uh, what I mean by saying we're headed in the right direction is I, I think it's going to take time. Uh, it's obviously something we're not going to fix this year. Um, but I do think in the long run, give it a few years, uh, we are headed in the right direction. Uh, my biggest fear, honestly, is I don't want to get uh, this team stuck in 6-10 and ten purgatory where that's all we fucking do every year and you know we're never 
improving draft picks. We're never, you know, we're just kind of stuck in that range. I would honestly rather just be terrible for a year or two and then, you know, slowly get better. But, again, like you all said on the podcast, I just honestly I want to see improvement every week in the players. And then, you know, come the off season, I want to see the team upgraded as a whole. Uh, we'll see this coming off season what they do. I hope it's good. And uh, once again, you fellas have a good one. Appreciate what you do. And uh, talk to you all later. Man, thanks for the call again, Zach. We appreciate it. And turns out Zach is really Cody in disguise. That's why Cody left. He had to make another call. <laughs> That's just Cody right there saying, uh, "We got you know it, the six and ten purgatory." The That's scariness. What we've been in for the last few years, we're we're for a four to seven win team every year for the last what four or five years? Uh, years? no. When twenty seventeen, we were good. We were good in twenty seventeen. We're bad twenty sixteen. Um, ooh, I think uh, I think we were ten and ten. And, yeah, we're eleven and five. That was the year we beat the Patriots on the road. Then we went and beat the the Lions. Cam threw five touchdowns against the Lions. He led a comeback against the Patriots. We were good that year. Um, Okay. But, all right, um, one other thing, though, is interesting. I wish Cody was here. What do you guys, you know, uh, people were making fun of me on the roundtable because they were saying that um, the the AFC – East was just so bad. And I said, I don't think that I think you just say that because we're used to saying that. But right now the Bills are 7 and 2. The Bills now probably fell since that round table 7 and 3. Uh but the the Dolphins are on a five game winning streak. The Patriots are a god awful team that has a record better than the Panthers. So yeah, it's really half, half part of it. <laughs> so um, I've been interested in this Dolphins team. You know, while we're on a five-game losing streak, the Dolphins are on a five-game winning streak, and two has been part of that magic there. Um, so I wish I could get uh, Cody's thought on thoughts on Tua and his contribution. That is he the guy? Does he meet his excitement level expectation? I need to look up his stats. But you know, no, is it like he's been okay? I mean, he's only played two games. He's only started two games, but they've won both of them. Well, you I know, know, the first game he didn't play well, but he played well enough to win. He, he didn't have to play well because their, yeah. their defense has been tremendous. But to Cody's point as well, the on the other flip side of that coin, you have a Bears team where you've got – they've been – they can't do anything. They can't win a game to save their life. Last night, they won on defense. They won on special teams. They won in every aspect except for they couldn't score. Right? I mean, they stopped the run. They limit. You know what I mean? They were winning the 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 battles except for the points one. And uh, so I think there is something to it. All right. 252-228-5098. C3. What it do? It's your boy, Mike. What's up, hey, Mike? hey, hey. Supreme Leader! Supreme Leader! I'm just kidding. It's Jason from Colorado. I just, it's so much fun oh. to do. <laughs> <I> <laughs> he one. got me! He got um, me! <laughs> I didn't get a chance to talk about last week's game on the post game. So, um, you know, I kind of want to just kind of break down the team by position groups, I suppose. Um, the offensive line 
is bad. It's holding us back. Um, I think that everyone can see it. I we haven't we have been spending premium draft quality or capital on it, and it shows. You know, um, we really only have one quality starter on that line. One thing I did see um, is that Pat Elfline was just released by the Vikings. Now I know he's not a rock star, may not even be you know a starter on on most teams, but according to Pro Football Focus, which I know is a controversial topic, but I mean that's a twenty point advantage over Chris Reed. Chris Reed is that bad. He's in the 40s on pro football focus, whereas Elfline's in the 60s. So, I mean, it's a, I feel like it's at least worth looking at because, I mean, at the very minimum, he's a veteran who doesn't hold as much. Um, also, as far as the offensive line is con- concerned, last week, um, I think it was Greg mentioned that the numbers don't support Teddy Bridgewater being better than Kyle Allen. Now, I'm not, I don't think Teddy's the guy. I'm not choosing that hill to die on. But I'm wondering if the numbers that you that that don't support Teddy being better could kind of be subtextual. And that's kind of my point is that what if I think that, that our offensive line's surprising performance this season could be the product of Teddy Bridgewater. I think that the one thing that Teddy has consistently done well this season and it's some, it was navigate the pocket and, and climb the pocket and being able to avoid pressure and not uh, give up yeah. sacks and that, and that, or pressure, you know, being able to get the ball out under pressure. Um, but, and it's also something that Kyle Allen was absolute garbage at, and even Cam Newton wasn't very good at. And I'm wondering if, I agree. you know, that the surprising effectiveness of our offensive line couldn't be attributed to Teddy Bridgewater making them look better than they're actually playing. Um, and so I wonder what your thoughts are about that. Um, moving on to the wide receivers, you were kind of talking about which, you know, in the post game, which uh, wide receivers do you keep? You know, we've got three good ones. Um, and, Tony, I think you made a, the right point that their skill sets largely overlap. And I think that when you look at offenses around the league who have talented wide receiver cores, not just talented, but exceptional all right, so let's um, and he's gonna call in and get to the next point to, or the or finish that point up. Let's talk momentarily about that offensive line. The offensive line has wavered, uh, or at least this is that you get a couple of different positions on it. You get the Teddy Bridgewater supporters, who or lovers stands, whatever the right word is. That these this offensive line is trash, and nobody you know nobody can do it. Then you get the other side, which is me, which is that this offensive line has been far better than I expected, and a little bit better than I'm more a little bit better than I'm accustomed to, <laughs> and that's not a good thing. I'm not bragging about that. Um, and there's probably the truth somewhere lies in the middle perspective, which is the offensive line. It's probably played a little bit better than we're used to, given the fact that we didn't know who is going to be playing what, who any of these guys were. They're dealing with injury. But also that Bridgewater makes and the scheme elevate and makes, you know, kind of bails them out, makes them look a little bit better instead of downfield routes developing the kind of nor well, 
in many ways what we thought the North Turner offense was going to be. Kind of what the Shula offense was is that you were either running RPOs or you were throwing deep. It felt like, um, and that it was like these deep drops, and Cam was getting murdered back there. Teddy Bridgewater gets the ball out fast. He gets the like probably the only person that gets it out faster than him is the guy that he learned under, or he's mentored under for the last couple of years, and that's Drew Brees. So I think there is something to that. Is the probably the truth lies in the middle a little bit. How do the Panthers go forward? Is this? Um, is the offensive line something that's going to be piecemealed uh, and fixed in that process, or is it going to take a more radical kind of surgery? And maybe that is the application of the Taylor Moten drug, right? Weekly doses of Taylor Moten coupled with an experimental draft pick at the top. You know, I mean, that might really what we need just as much as a quarterback is an anchor somewhere on that offensive line and I know the first round isn't going to be a center pick but we haven't given it much in draft capital 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 we haven't put a lot of down we haven't put a lot of money into it so the Panthers if you're picking at 10 11 9 and you can't get that quarterback that you truly feel instead of reaching after that in a draft where a lot of quarterbacks are going early maybe this is the year that you work towards that and you start to solidify that so you can be more diverse going forward. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, uh, it's so it, the funny part about that entire phone call is the fact that Chris Reed is rated 40 <laughs> by BFF. He's I mean, what? He's rated 40, like out of a hundred, like he's oh. rated at 40 mm-hmm. rating, like on PFF that just, it, unbelievable because what it tells me is he said 60 i thought no 60 is for the guy that minnesota just released oh 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 okay so he was talking about the minnesota guy and you're talking about one a guy that's on our team yeah yeah and so that's our guard and so i'm like if we don't make a move i'll tell you why that is it's because right now they are they're going to be basically focusing on next year. And not that saying that they're going to try to go out and lose, but I don't think this coaching staff is going to be making moves to try to win. Like like pulling people in from, you know, oh, other things this year released. or next yeah, year? year. This year, this year. Okay. Um so yeah, I mean even even though the Minnesota just released that guy, I don't think we're going to be making those types of moves. Hello, hello. Um Hey, Cody Lashley, welcome Dude, back. how about my fucking cat tripped my uh, surge protector? Oh, and so every, no. I had to turn everything back on. Lies, oh. lies. You know what it really was? Is we fought, we know what's happened. You are truly Zach, uh, the caller, <laughs> and you called in You're a second time to, to talk about uh, how Marty Herney needed to be fired and that you didn't want six and ten purgatory anymore. Um, anyway, uh, we've been having a riveting discussion about the Panthers' offensive line going forward, and now we're about to continue that riveting discussion. Uh, any uh, further points before we move on to the wide receiver part of the call, and we're going to finish the call out. I wanted to commend him for the counter to the argument that we were having about the offensive line being terrible, about him saying maybe it's Teddy Bridgewater making the offensive line look a little better, and that's very possible. I mean, it's like you know, it's, he's not, they're not making them look worse. 
right? Is yeah. that getting the ball quick is the dink and dunk game that we have been like crying about in one hand is the way to nullify a shitty offensive line and still pass the ball. And in one way, we're really just running the ball in passing format. That's kind of what our offense yeah. seems to be a little bit at times. All right, let's keep going with the calls. Well, I was saying is what to do? Elite wide receiver cores seem to have that variety that you were talking about. In that, you look at teams like I would say Seattle, where Tyler Lockett is the speedster who can take oh the top gosh. off. Oh my gosh, and he's now. amazing! We could have drafted him, by the way, big way back in the wide day. receiver. Now that doesn't mean he's not fast and he can't blow the top off of it. But it, it you know, their their skill sets are different. They're complementary. They work together. They're synergistic. And I think that those traits are what we should try to strive for. The Atlanta Falcons are another Thank good one. You. Julio Jones is a freak of nature, but he's still, you know, he's really tall. He's really fast. He gives you a huge catch radius, and he's he comes down with the ball. You know, and so we need to find ourselves a receiver like that, like a Michael Thomas, who maybe isn't that fast, but who, who you know, who's reliable and clean in his route. Who's a red zone so threat, man. so can get man. separation in small, in, in close quarters, because that's what you need in the red zone, is the ability to separate you in need close a contact. Des Bryant-like player. all three of our wide receivers, I do. I think Curtis Samuel is the best at getting like, getting separation quickly from, from the defenders. Um, and so I don't know. I'm not necessarily saying that I would pick Curtis Samuel out of the three wide receivers to keep, but I, I think that we certainly need to. We can't keep all three of them. I think that Curtis Samuel is, is probably the best trade target at the moment. Uh, and that pains me to say. I love Curtis Samuel, and I really want – I wish I, part of me hopes that he stays around as a Panther, but the worst possible thing that could happen – is that we have to cut him and not get anything for him. So, I think that's going to um, happen. You know, I don't think we get uh, to trade him anymore. Moving on, I guess the, the last thing that Let's I wanted to talk about is, is the this. general manager um, argument. I don't think girl. that we've uh, – actually, before I go there, uh, I wanted to give a shout-out to uh, – before, before I forget about it, um, Brian Burns is my guy. I finally got my Brian Burns jersey. I'm yeah, super I excited. See. Seeing him get the He's guy our fired star, up on the was a balm to my aching heart. I love that. Um, and after the game, I was reading in a, an interview, I think it was with Russell Douglas, when he was saying that that huge 98-yard Jones run was that they knew exactly what play they were going to do, and Shaq called it out in the play 30 times, and the, the players simply did not execute. The line was supposed to crash and, and seal that gap, and they didn't do that because they were crashing to the right side. They blew it from that side, and that meant there was that, that. That's why that huge hole was there. And, and Trey Boston can't tackle. I've been saying it all season long. Trey Boston can't tackle. He is. He can play the ball in the air. He, he's a good coverage guy, but he cannot stack the box. He can't tackle running back. He was. Um, and so I think it was a, it. This is how, you know, I don't even get upset about people, like, when it comes to Trey Boston and some different things like this. Even Teddy Bridgewater went back and looked at the game. Even the outcome of that Bucks game, Cody, they are what we said they were. They are who we thought they were. They is who they are. And it turns out, Tired Whitehead is who he is, and Raider fans tried to tell us. 
Um, yeah. In fact, every time I talk to Raider fans, and I thought it was like, oh, y'all just Raider fans, one. And two, I thought, man, y'all just casual, you know, a little casual or something like that. Fan. And no, they were right on. They And you know what? They never even ever said anything mean. They just said, in yeah. fact, I think I got the same exact response from every Raider person I talked to. And that was, have fun with that. You know what I'm saying? Like that's all. The- <laughs> it was just like, all right, good luck with that. Um, to just kind of continue on that wide receiver discussion. Um, one is we cannot trade Curtis Samuel anymore unless we sign and trade, which that's not going to happen because he is in the final year of his contract. Interesting note here: Curtis Samuel is only 24 years old. He has been in the league for four years now. He's 24 years old. Um, I think he's playing as hard as you can get. I think it's clear he's playing to get signed somewhere. And I think he should. And and I I agree with the call is that, like, he probably is the best or one of the better ones. Go ahead, CK. I don't think they let him walk. I think think he's a big part of what they want to have this offense to look like moving forward. So how Mm. much are you paying him? How much are we paying them then? You know, I don't know. But what it, you know, but but we've paid. Will he take a deal like uh, some of these other? Will he take a Robbie Anderson like deal? But how many receivers? Are, how many receivers are you going to pay? And by the way, again, man, I don't care if I'm. The well, you gotta pay some. I mean, you gotta pay him. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's, it's like when we say yeah, pay him, it doesn't mean make him a top paid receiver. It just makes right. him a. Too wide out. Let's just see. Like Robbie it's, Anderson. It's the same conversation that I had or that we were having uh, a, a few weeks ago. You have to look at it like this. Do you want to pay Taylor Moten? Okay, good. You're going to have to pay him top tackle money in order to keep him, uh, especially when you need every other offensive line position, right? Okay, factor that in. Then you're going to have to pay a receiver. Who are you picking, Curtis Samuel or DJ Moore? Curtis because there's no way we're going to pay both. Like, does anyone think that we're going to have that we're going to re up on Anderson, Moore, and Curtis Samuel? Like, that just isn't happening. That's why I was pounding the table. Do you know we could cut Robbie Anderson next year? Holy cow. You, you sign him to what? a deal like Robbie Anderson, maybe. You can cut Robbie. This is crazy. We're not going to. And if we do, I'll be, I'll be pissed. But Robbie Anderson, you save eight million dollars next year if you cut him, and you only end up with four million in dead. That's cheap. Twelve million. That's not much for a wide receiver. What if you paid two wide receivers that type of money? Is that too much? I don't think yeah, two superstar wide receivers that kind of money. Let's see what the pick another team. Who's another team that? Who's the model? Yeah, Julio Jones. Well, Calvin Ridley's on a rookie contract, yeah, and yeah. My thing is this: I would not spend a lot of money on the receiver position, knowing how many come out in the draft that end up being damn good receivers. I mean, listen, if Curtis wants to take a a, a, a shorthand deal to stay here, fine. But if I'm going to pay one of them, I'd rather spend money on DJ Moore. Than, than anyone else. And I don't think we should pay more. DJ Moore. 
Why do you guys think we should pay DJ more? Here's the part about it. DJ, well, the that that can be debatable at this point. He's he's Mm. kind of went backwards, you know, since the season started. You know, Curtis Samuel was clearly taking a bigger role in this in this offense uh, outside of last week with those two big runs. But I mean, I like DJ Moore, and I want him to keep both. But you were looking for an example. Go up to Buffalo and look at uh, Stefan Diggs and what Beasley's making. Mm. Okay, so let's check that. I'll check that. I'm, uh, let's go to part three of the call. Well, we anyway, I'm, it's great to see that those guys are becoming vocal leaders on the defense. That's something that we've missed for a long time, and I'm glad to see it coming back. Maybe that means we can take that C patch off of Whitehead's jet jersey and, and ship him off to Buffalo, because I guess that's what happens when, when the Carolina Panthers fans are, are done. Um, the last thing that I wanted to talk about, again, was, was the, uh, the general manager discussion. I kind of brought it up before, and it led to some pretty vitriolic uh, discussion. Um, but, but I feel like y'all kind of missed the point that I was trying to make is that you kind of undersell the relationship between the general manager and the head coach. And I think that my, the, the, the thesis statement, if you could call it that from my last call, was that if you scheme poorly and draft accordingly, that's not on the GM. I think that, um, when, when you look at Marty Herney, um, I think the best criticism of him is his, him overspending on contracts. And that was most more true, definitely, during his first tenure with the Panthers. And really that came down to, this is a bit of a history dive. I'm a history nerd, so this is the kind of stuff I get off on. But when he signed Jake Delhomme to that massive five-year contract um, at the end of, I think it was 2008, and then in, in, or it was going into 2008, and then in that season, Delhomme got hurt, never came back, and, you know, we wound up having a detriment at, at quarterback. And it's the same situation that we had with CMAC. You know, we paid him a bunch of money, and then he went out and got hurt, except it's a much more exacerbated problem when, this, when it's your quarterback because you can't lean on anybody else. When the running back isn't, isn't you know, you, you can put another running back in there, you can use your wide receivers, you can scheme them out, but when you're your quarterback, you're, you're dependent on them. And so with Del Ohm out and still paying him all this money, that meant they were forced to enter – to, to enter the draft needing to draft a quarterback. And, of course, this was the year that we traded away our first-round pick, and so we had to, we were forced to draft a quarterback in the second round. And so it's never a good thing to draft according to need in any point, especially as it's the most important position in football. And, you know, that's what Dave Gettleman said about Josh Norman, is that when he rescinded the franchise tag and they let him go, then he had to draft according to need, and that's when you don't get when your players don't work out, and those are the decisions that get you fired. And Jimmy Clausen was garbage, absolutely shit the bed, one of the worst Panther seasons ever. But silver lining did set us up for for drafting Cam. So 2011, the offense looks okay. Three 700-yard rushers between Cam, D'Angelo, and Jay Stewart. Um, the defense worse than the league. We we're absolutely garbage. 2012. Um, this is still Marty Harney's tenure. All right. Uh, final part. So, I mean, just summing up, 2011, Harney signs Cam. 2012, we draft Luke. We draft Josh Norman. We trade for Greg Olson. And the 2012 season looks almost exactly like ours, with Carolina staying close but losing until 
they played the, I think it was the Eagles, that was the Super Bowl champs, and they just got absolutely dick-punched. And then Herney got fired. And then, and this is when <laughs> Rivera was, went 1-5 to open his second season. Um, Gettleman then takes over, and he's got, it was a rough salary cap situation, largely due to the Dell Ohm signing. Um, and then he got a lot of credit for cleaning up the salary cap, and, but he really was relying on the talent of picks that Herney made to win while cutting franchise players like Smitty and Josh Norman. I mean, here's some of, one of the things that y'all were talking about with Marty Herney was that he's, he's perfect, I mean, he was almost perfect on first round draft picks. And that, that's, you know, I think that's absolutely tremendous. But I don't think that that's something that every single GM can do. I mean, here's Gettleman's first round picks. C-Mac, I would rate that an A+. He's, he's fantastic. Vernon Butler, that was a D. You might even give it an F. He did make some contributions earlier in his career, but we cut him. He's garbage. Shaq, I'll give it a C until he proves me otherwise. He's an average starting linebacker. Um, Kelvin Benjamin, I gave that one a D plus because he did have a phenomenal rookie season, but after that, absolutely nothing. And start with Tulele, which uh, he was great, underrated. I gave that one a B. I don't think it was, you know, I, I think that there's other players who could do what he did, but that was a, a good pick in my mind. But that's what I'm just trying to make the point is that other GMs don't even hit on all their first. I agree. So I agree. I do think that Mar- Marty Herney is a good general manager, and I think that with him. Being paired with Coach Rule's vision, I think the two of them will be able to execute their vision and and get good talent and personnel in here, and it's going to make the te- team a lot better. I um, think so that's taking a- up so much uh, so much of your time. Uh, I thank y'all for giving me a chance to get my thoughts out there. Um, nah, keep calling back, man. Uh, we appreciate it. We yeah. appreciate your support. We appreciate the the uh, the contribution. And I agree. I've been trying to tell you guys this. Is that Marty Herney, the, the stain on Marty Herney, he's Marty Herney 2.0 has been far better than Marty Herney 1.0 or 1, whatever. You know what I mean? Is that, and, it, and, and some people, we have a lot of theories if that's related to Jerry Richardson. Uh, we have, who knows? Is that, I do think that right now Marty Herney is take is gonna is willing to take kind of a secondary role to rule in his vision. And so you tell me what you want and I'll go make it happen type of thing. So I think there are some things about that that hold a lot of weight. I think that you probably gave um who was it I was thinking oh I think Star the reason he's a B plus pick, he's really an A pick, but he fell into Gettleman's lap. He was really supposed to be a top five pick that year. Then he had that like virus that made people think he had a heart issue. He also opted out. So a good call. A lot to think about and unpack. Back to the wide receiver thing. I did want to point this out right now. The Bills are paying Stefan Diggs this. Right now he counts $4.7 million against the cap. Um, John Brown this year counts nine points seven million and Cole Beasley counts seven million. They've got almost about thirty million wrapped up this year. And then more interesting about this when we say that Buffalo is the Carolina Panthers north, it is not an exaggeration. No. Not at all. Listen to these names. This is so fun to look at their roster. 
Mario Addison, Vernon Butler, AJ Klein, um, Daryl Williams, right? Daryl Williams. Uh, let's see. There's more up here. There's a lot more, actually. Um, that is all. Oh, Andre Smith. Those are all on the active. But then you've also got um, Josh Norman. You also have Star Latulale. Dean Marlowe, who was a former Panther. Daryl Worley <laughs> is on their practice squad. And uh, Brian Cox Jr., another one that came from the Carolina Panthers. And I know I've had to have missed at least one uh, in that. Five so on five. That's a lot five of, five of former Panthers players. It's a lot of players yeah. out there. Let's, um, let's go could, ahead and just switch over to the office. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott. Is oh, yeah. right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Cody, would you like to respond to any of that as you continue you make your list of why you should be fired? I, I mean, think yeah, he's right. I think he raises a lot of fair points that yeah. you can't hold the I, contract crap against him anymore. Um, you. You no, you can't because he did that because Jerry Richardson made. I can take his recent moves and show you how they haven't worked out for us. Just in his most recent ten, but not overpaying people. That you can't show us. That was what the before you were born. That is what happened. Well, I don't know, but he overpaid Eli Apple, didn't he? No, he paid him the league minimum. League minimum, bro. Yeah. Okay, but that's a player that did what for us? No, right, it doesn't matter. The league minimum—that's like nothing. That doesn't Shaq work. Thompson. He paid Chad Thompson. He let go of James Bradbury. He moved up for Greg Little, and Greg Little still isn't a. Pay, no, example. no. Now you're getting different things involved. No, I'm just saying the number one thing is about. No, the, we're breaking it point by point, Cody. And the first point that was the stain on his early record as a GM was that he paid these contracts out to the beloved. Before you were born, he paid Jake DeLome, where his shoulder was bummed. He paid D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart. And it was a makeup year because Jerry Richardson made him do it. He made a running back. The highest paid running back in NFL Oh, wow. What? And Christian McCaffrey, man. And I Ooh. love Christian, but that's not what a good G- How are you going to tell me this man is different and he doesn't overpay people anymore well, when he literally did the exact same thing? <laughs> Where's the, the Matt Coltrane bullet button? And the NFL. Like, like, listen, man, the more we talk about, about Marty Herney, it goes back to what I said about Rivera. If you have this mindset of, oh, we'll never do better. Oh, this is the best that we're ever going to be able to do. You're in, a, you're in an abused relationship and you're telling yourself <laughs> that you're never going to be able to have better than the shit that you're putting up with. So you might as well suck it up and accept the bullshit that you have. Fuck that bro, Marty Hernandez. You're victim shaming up. us now. You're victim shaming hill, us. Uh, All right, here's I'm my question. Hill, bro. Here's here's my question. Do you think the Saints GM is is a good GM? Yes. 
Okay, so Listen, they just paid Michael so. Thomas ridiculous amount of money, and what has he done this? And year? Alvin Kamara. Well, Alvin Kamara has been awesome. It's the exact same argument, but it's because it's working on a better offense. All right, but hold on. But then we can go through all the other moves that they've hit on. All the free agents that they brought in, all of the players players that they've drafted on their offensive line that are starters, and it's still one of the best uh, offensive lines in football. And, hey, how about this? They knew that Drew Brees is a 40-year-old paperweight with a fart for an arm. And they signed Jameis Winston. And now, whatever you think about Winston, at least they have a serviceable backup behind them. Like, there's no question that that's a better GM in the front office. And they there's always do. And, and the one thing that they are able to do is that voodoo fucking magic on the cap. Somehow. Always voodoo magic. Um, okay. We're, uh, Cody just victim shamed us. Next call, 252-228-5098. Yo, guys, what's up? It's Nick from up here in Mass. So, it's Monday night, 24 hours after the game. Um, needless to say, I am still extremely disappointed with how everything went. I think everyone will agree with that. I mean, nobody... Nobody really played well except for a few, few players. And special teams, actually. I will say special teams. We've been, it seems to be that special teams have definitely stepped up their game this year. I mean, yeah. they aren't perfect, but let's face it, nobody is ever going to be perfect 24-7. Um, the post-game show, CK, you brought up a point saying that even if P.J. Walker comes out and he balls out, that they would still play Teddy Bridgewater. I would have to at least slightly disagree with that. You are referring to the old regime with Ron Rivera, who was well known to be a veteran's coach. If you are a veteran, you will always have a number one spot with Ron Rivera. With these guys, with Matt Rule, I can't necessarily speak for Phil Snow. I can't necessarily speak for Joe Brady. But it seems like Matt Rule wants to give everybody a fair shot. And if you are a rookie or a no-name guy and you are doing better than our number one guy, you are going to get that spot. That's what it really seems like is happening. Um, I mean, I could be wrong with that, but it seems that way. I also I'll want be able to, to point out as well. Okay. Here, all right, here. Um, you you want to go ahead and comment on that before you do? I want to say, Nick, if I ever decide to kidnap somebody and ransom them, you are going to be the <laughs> yeah. guy I get to call and be the deliver the money. Uh, go ahead, CK. Um, what I was going to say is that we see now they're talking about Teddy Bridgewater will be practicing Wednesday. If this was a scenario where they really wanted to give somebody else another chance, they aren't going to risk a quarterback that's got knee injury history with a knee injury going out there and playing. I think it's the and other right now, knee, though. But still, I mean, what I mean by that is it's an MCL, MCL sprain, right? Right. If he's not as mobile, guess what? You're more likely to get hit. And so why wouldn't you just tell him, listen, we're going to – in a lost season already, 
Like, I know you don't want to give up hope, but, like, statistically speaking, this season is done. There is not much else we can do. Like, we can maybe continue and hope that the season gets shortened because of COVID, and then they increase the amount of people that go to the playoffs and then hope that we get to the playoffs that way, if that's what you're going for. But that's just not the reality. If this was a team that actually had that mindset, they would tell Teddy to sit this week. Um, I also think that they are going to play Teddy because Teddy is the only defense they have against letting go of camp. That is it. And so if they continue, if they if they let somebody else start because they're playing well, then that's them conceding. Oh, maybe we cut Cam for the wrong person, and then that's not going to sit well for a lot of the the Panthers fan base. All right, continue with the call. You brought up the coaching and how you you can't really tell if the coaching is any better this year. And while this entire year I've been saying that the coaching is a lot better, I see your point. And your point is that so much has changed on this team, you can't really take one spot and say, oh, yeah, the coaching did this better or the coaching made this better, the coaching made this worse. You can't even tell because of how much we've changed. There is literally no piece of this offense or defense or, hell, even special teams that's that's the same as what it was before, minus, you know, D.J. Moore and Curtis Samuel. But now you have Robbie Anderson in there, and he, he messes that, that whole thing up. And I'm running out of time. But you guys get the point, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right, good call, man. Let's keep going through them. Hi, Tony, you guys. This is Chuck calling from Elizabeth City. What's up, Chuck? Um, I just kind of wanted to take a step back for a moment as we get into these football seasons and and look at things. Uh, really got to focus on this coaching staff. Oh, good I follow like up. What I see. Um, I know a lot of people are gonna. You know, hey, this guy, I've been on Facebook and different places, and a lot of people say, this guy can't coach. Our defensive, you know, coach is not, you know, doing his job. Different things like that. I like what I see from this coaching staff. For so many years with Ron, the nine years he was there, what we have, three winning seasons, even though we won a division title at 7-8-1, which is just merely luck. Um, Ron did less with more. Than any coach I think we've ever had. We had a stack wow. with Cam and Luke in our prime, and he rode them in the ground. I know he's a, a good man down deep, and I know he, he's a, a player's coach. He could not end game scheme for the love of God. Yeah, that's true. I see this coach we have now, even though we're three and seven, we've played some games where we've come so close to winning with a roster that is depleted against rosters that are deep. And even this past game where it got blown out, we played them nip and tuck in the first half and even had a chance to be in the lead at halftime. I think the 98-yard touchdown run, and when you guys said after that run, it took the air out of sales and then Teddy throws an interception on the next possession right away, I think that kind of just you know put us in a downward spiral for the rest of the game. Those games will happen even to the best of teams. But like I said, Ron is doing less. He did less with more. I mean, he did more with he did less with more, and we've got a coach now that's doing more with less. I want to see where we end up. If it's four and twelve or seven and nine this year, wherever we end up, 
and see how we do next year with another draft class and free agency, how we progress to see if, if not just in record if we're better next year, but on-field performance. Um, I like where we're heading. I, I think we're going to be okay. And sometimes you just have to take a step back because we can't see forest for all the trees. Call of the night right there for me. Call of the night. Um, Can we just get a wisdom Wednesday from him? Like just calling every Wednesday with a a wise, (laughs) just providing wisdom to everybody. I agree, man. It's Chuck from Elizabeth City, I think he said. uh, Keep calling back. And I think that does is that, look, is we want – you know, we want to. Some ways, us being competitive has made us want more. You know, oh, if we cool. would, you know, is that we've been in these games, and so people are like, we can fight behind Teddy, we can build around Teddy, and this and that. But I think the call, right, that or the part that just got me is to say, I mean, look, is I mean, there one I agree one hundred with it, and that is that Ron never beat you and i've always said this he was good he wasn't a bad coach but he didn't give you a, an advantage like you didn't win one or two games because of ron rivera yeah. and so he he pointed to the scheme but we did you know it was kind of up and down like in some ways we didn't have a lot right in some ways the kitchen cupboard was bare when it came to the panthers under ron rivera but like Chuck said, man, the staples are there. You had the milk, the eggs, and the flour when it came to in the butter. You know, so like you can cu- you can cook something up with the bacon grease, the butter, and the flour, and the milk. And that was Cam, Luke. Uh, st- you know, and there were some parts there at times, and they were able to do a little bit with it. And on that defense, man, boy, Greg Hardy. You know, so he did. But we always did bitch about not having anything that whole time. We always well, bitched I, about it only being Cam and Luke at the same time. Well, I, I think offensively, uh, and not, not necessarily on defense, but offensively there was yeah. merit to that. Mm-hmm. There um, was. We had Olsen, but he was injured a lot the last few years of his career, or with Carolina at least. We, we never, never had, had receivers. Receiving core, yeah. And we never had an offensive line, which for to have a good offense, those are really three key parts. Well, maybe not tight end, but at least a good wide receiving core, a decent one, and an offensive line. I still know? believe the reason we did not ever have a good offensive line is because we had Cam Newton. It's possible. I believe it. Is that this? Is you're going to try to tell me you're going to put down Matthew Stafford or Tom Brady? You know what I'm saying? The kind of a more of a statue quarterback or a more fragile one. We Cam was a luxury, and he said it. You use those two guys and you abused them. Well, the the problem was we didn't need an elite offensive line with Cam. We just needed a because you could always get away yeah. with. You could get away. Here's the thing. You trying to tell me you can trot out Matt Khalil or this is why I say this this offensive line this year is not as bad as we're accustomed to is because I watched Byron Bell get beat like a drum at left tackle. I watched Matt Khalil get beat like a drum at left tackle in years and years and years of bum ass people on. And I would say this is, yeah, they're getting pressure on us, but 
you haven't seen Teddy just getting rocked in the back over and over and yeah. over. Um, that was, we took advantage. Cam Newton was a luxury, and that's why it's Cam Newton defenders. And it was Moneybags Lawson who said this. And it really lends a little bit to Cody's point is that, um, you know, those are two players. They were our, you know, bacon, grease, and eggs. And you're going to have a good meal when you got some bacon, grease, and eggs, and butter, and flour. Um, and maybe we don't got any bacon, grease right now. Um, so that does lend to that point, and we did ride them into the ground. Those, uh, the superstar component. Who is the Panthers superstar the numbers two five two 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 eight fifty ninety eight. Let's keep pounding with the calls. Podcast brothers, how y'all doing? Oh, what's up, G? Y'all doing good and staying safe and everything. Yeah, I'm still kind of bummed out after that game, man. You know, it was what two days ago, but still, we should have put up a better fight. I agree. There's something that just came to my mind that pisses me off even more. With the free agents that we got or whatever, none of them really panned out, man. Now, hear me out for y'all. Right. Face in half. <laughs> Robbie Anderson is a good wide receiver. He fits our system pretty good. I think he does lead the team in receiving. I think he does. You know, you get me you know. And that dude O'Kong, he ain't. He it wasn't worth the damn money. Stephen Weatherly, he's not doing shit. Tahir Whitehead is fucking horrible, you know. But with Robbie Anderson, here it is, week eleven, and he know he he leads the team in receiving yards, I believe, you know. But here's my problem: he only has one touchdown. Here it is. Was it what week, week 11, one? I think week one I is when he got 11. it too. I think it's week eleven, whatever. He has one touchdown. I'm like, come on now, man. Oh, better Teddy Bridgewater that, is a free agent. That, I still Acquisition believe in our team. I mean, now I'm at the point now, I don't think we're going to make the damn playoffs. At the beginning of the season, I was saying we're going to be fighting for that wild card spot, but I don't see it, man. I really don't. And I said it once, I say it again. Fire Phil Snow. Fire his ass, man. <laughs> and Teddy Bridgewater is Stop not saying it. answer. I mean, he's a good backup. I'll give him that, but he is not the answer. And when it came to me, before I let you guys go, you guys can agree with me or disagree with me. If it came to getting a defensive coordinator when the offseason comes, I wouldn't mind getting Wade Phillips. I'm dead serious. I was thinking Wade about this. Phillips has a DC. I think that would do, do pretty good. So give me your thoughts on that. Keep pounding. All right. Um, I'm going to play. I want to be uh, G. Cavassier's antidote right now his and his uh, his villain i'm gonna be the opposite here one uh i was thinking about this today is if you were gonna do something radical and part ways with phil snow who would it be that you could bring in and i've always been saying put a good seasoned defensive coordinator like they did with the Rams and Wade Phillips, and they paired him with the young, exciting head coach, right? You bring the old hat with the new. And the one thing I have is I want to know, and I'll ask the chat room, maybe they could tell us, has Wade Phillips played, had his defensive success in systems that were four threes? I think the Rams were a four three. So I think the answer is yes. 
the real answer, the real thing about the free agency thing, and I think this kind of lends to Marty Herney actually doing an okay job. What did we say is the, so you got a problem with, not you, not you, G, but I'm going to pick on Cody because Cody got a problem with this. What, Robbie Anderson's a bad acquisition? You can part ways with him next year and save money. You can keep him, and he's been pretty darn good. And you can keep him for one more year and then part ways. So it's not a long-term deal. It was kind of a lower risk, yes. It was a little bit higher in money. But you guys want to pick on tired Whitehead, and he has been sorry. But he is making a whopping league minimum. We paid him nothing, and we can cut him at any moment. You can cut him right now, and you save money. You don't pay him any money. He's on a one-year deal for nothing, for pennies. He basically is making what Daryl Worley is making. Actually, he's making a little bit more than Daryl Worley. But the idea is, all right, who was another one? Pick another. Okay, I I would say that the free agent, um, Okung. Gone after this year. Zero dollars. Zero dollars. It was a salary dump save for... how much next year? Hold on. Let's let's talk about this. How much did he save next year by doing that, by getting rid of Trey Turner? Let's look up Trey Turner's contract. Trey Turner got a personal foul in this last <laughs> game, by the way. I noticed. 2022, 2021. Ooh, I wonder if they renegotiated his contract. Actually, it might not. Is the they can cut him next year? The Rams, no, the Chargers, and have zero dead money. It would. Well, he's got eleven five. It's eleven five if they keep him. Yeah, they must have renegotiated because I remember we were talking about that when he got traded. That actually saved us from having to take dead money if we have to release him next year. Yeah. Well, hey, while we're talking about this right here, I, I'm I, him talking about the stats and talking about uh, DJ Moore or talking about Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, which one had more receiving yards? Maybe look up the stats on the team. And I got to ask a question. We're talking about earlier, and we're talking about receivers about who you're going to pay. You're going to pay DJ Moore. You're going to pay Curtis Samuel, guys. I know you don't want to hear this, but DJ Moore's the best wide receiver on our team. Yeah. Well, l- listen to these stats. 39 receptions, 736 yards, four touchdowns. You know what Robbie Anderson is? 80 or 64 receptions, almost twice as many, 772 yards, so about 30 more yards, one touchdown. The difference is is the catch rate of the catch percentage for Robbie Anderson is 74%. It's only 56 for DJ Moore. But That's bad. But the flip side to that is Robbie Anderson has an average yards per target of nine, and he gets 12-point yards per catch. DJ Moore has an average yards per, uh, per tra- of, 12, of 10, and he gets 18 yards per catch. Those so there's a significant, yak, significant – it's yak, but it's worth it, right? And then, I, and then I go look at Curtis Samuel's stats. Guys, he's averaging 12 rushing yards a game and um, 41 receiving yards a game. Like Curtis He did Samuel's have not, his first 100-yard game. He's a gadget player guy, but he's definitely not – anywhere close to our best wide receiver. Well, I'd be this? interested to see what a combo of Curtis Samuel and Robbie Anderson look like. Would it be that much worse than what we have right now? Uh, I th- I like DJ, but go ahead. Go ahead, Cody. I mean, no, listen. 
DJ Moore, imagine how dynamic he could be if he was getting the ball in his hands downfield. That would be crazy. Where he only it? has yeah. one or two players mm-hmm. that he has to juke out of their shoes. Yeah. I mean, and li- listen, Teddy and DJ kind of share the same fate. They were drafted one year apart, and they have been plagued by quarterbacks that either can't or will not throw the ball <laughs> downfield. You mean so, Curtis and DJ, right? Curtis and DJ, yeah. Curtis and DJ. Okay. And with, with Samuel, too, it's been such a mismanagement of his talent. Same person. And that he could have been, <laughs> been our real legitimate deep threat Tyreek Hill kind of receiver. Mm-hmm. But we didn't have a quarterback that can get the ball in his hands down the field. So, yeah, yeah I don't blame anyone right now. Even though I don't think that's what Samuel truly is. A gadget player. I don't blame anyone for thinking, "Oh well, that's all it is," because essentially that's how he gets the most of his points in this uh, offense. DJ I, I Moore, think, only twenty three years old, too. That's the other yeah. thing is both of these. And how old is Robbie Anderson? Uh, I don't know. Robbie Anderson's the old hat at twenty seven. So yeah. this, he's going to play this two year contract, and it's going to be gone. You know, I think that'll probably be it. I don't well, I mean, understand the people that get mad at receivers just because it's not really dependent on them. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it is It is how much they separate and if they're open. If they the catch it, yeah. if they don't drop what is, it. What yeah, is Curtis but, Samuel's catch percentage? Uh, Curtis Samuel's catch percentage 100. is 85.4. So, but, but his average yards per target is only 7.8. He's Mr. Clutch, dude. Yeah. And, it, I, I, and I, only I, on I, third down. Is, I, I think that we give Robbie Anderson uh, – he's good, and I like what he's doing. He's productive. I think we give him too much credit because he's the new the new thing to look at and because we see him more because he gets so many more catches and targets. But he's Well, it's actually been more. sliding down re- recently. So when you just divide it evenly, the first six, five weeks he had like 11 catches a game. The, he's on my yeah. fantasy team. This is why I know this. He was like my fifth receiver. He's just killing it. And now he's kind of regressed to the mean of four or five catches, 60 yards. And but I think now. in a way, yeah. too, is that I um, – and I would argue that – I won't say I would argue. I hate when I say that. Um, Robbie Anderson's touchdown rate is not because only because of him. He got touched down in week one, and he kind of made a good play. He was a little open. He dipped that ring and then took it to the house. But we only throw those kind of crossing slants to him. That's it. And then it's over. And then we get, you know what I mean? It's like nobody has been great when it comes to touchdowns. And DJ has just manufactured a couple of touchdowns. And this past week being one of those that's padded, those stats, you know, if you looked at them at week five, they both had, you know, one touchdown. Right. So um, it's tough. It's tough. I just think it comes down to the we need a more balance of skill sets. And while Robbie Anderson has become a sort of possession receiver for the Carolina Panthers, if we're on the five-yard line and you see Robbie Anderson manned up with a corner on the outside – you just don't feel like he's going to outmuscle him and go, you know, drive to the pylon like a Mike Evans. And you know what? Neither is DJ. 
because he's six inches shorter. The good news about DJ and Curtis Samuel is they're babies. 23 and 24, that's children in the NFL. 252-228-5098. Hey, this is Kevin from Charleston, South Carolina, man. What's up, Kevin? Way to bring the I energy, talk brother. about Shaq, Wilson, or Shaq Thompson. I don't like that look. Thompson. And what he did after the game, just bitching out oh. everyone and, like, just whipping his dick out, just smacking motherfuckers with it. <laughs> like, I like that shit. Like, <laughs> I was worried that he might be one of those dudes who gets the contract and just doesn't give a shit, but... You know, it's good to see that. And I think he'd be better next year because of it. Like, just once we get fucking tirehead fucking off the team, cause I think he's just holding everyone back. I mean, you see, you hear about the fucking 98-yard touchdown one, which, you know, Thompson called out several, several times. Same play that Fournette ran on yeah. them. The they want to talk about first meeting. They said they want to fire John Snow or fucking that. Snow guy, whatever his fucking name is, because he's not impressive. It's like, oh shit! <laughs> you see our defense last year? Our defense was horrible. It was trash, and we had Luke Keekley, and it was still trash. We had Bradbury, and it was still trash. We lose both those guys. And we we're still trash. <laughs> still trash. I, I, I wasn't expecting our defense to be impressive or coaching staff from the defensive side to be, you know, impressive. I expected it to be horrible. And it is. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just want to get your thoughts about, uh, fucking Tirehead because, like, that's another thing. He was our biggest free agent on defense. And he's fucking horrible. No, but he's not. It's he's like, here, the only reason we say that is because he was the only one. Everything yeah. else is fucking horrible. But, uh, yeah, what's your thoughts on, you know, Shaq Thompson and what he might do next year? Because I don't want to trade him anyway. I thought about we should trade him, but I don't think Ooh. we should after that outburst. It kind of gets me kind of hyped and excited about next year. I always think CK's got the best position when it comes you know, to Shaq. Maybe you see a greater improvement in him. Right, that's my thoughts. I have a question. I have a question, guys, and maybe you can help me. Why the hell is Shaq calling out the plays if Tahir is the middle linebacker? I was asking this earlier this Because season, tired Whitehead is a nobody, and everybody he hasn't paid nobody money. Right now. So why is Shaq not the middle linebacker? If you guys have the confidence in him to call the play, put him and in the position the that yeah. makes him the quarterback of the defense, and that is the middle linebacker. Mm-hmm. I mean, is, is it just – Is there an argument that, that maybe the outside – and, Cody, maybe you could speak to this more than I can, and so can the chat, is does the outside linebacker – is he weak side or outside? What's the correct terminology? For what he so does. There's, there's weak side and strong side linebacker. Normally, Thomas Davis played strong side linebacker, uh, and uh, uh, Shaq played Will. But now it uh, would seem as though I'm seeing uh, Shaq more at strong than, than anywhere else. But Do you need a more athletic? Do you need a more athletic linebacker in that position than you do in middle in the middle? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so, so it, that's it, why it, I think that yeah. he's there. Yeah, and yeah, you normally your will you'll put him on. Um, sometimes you'll put your will linebacker in the slot too. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, he's never. Is that really enough to make Panther fans say, "Oh man, yeah, okay, let's let's keep him." Like, all he had to do was just get mad, and start cussing people out. Um, well, I wanted to play better, man. I wanted to be a better football player. And again, I know he's not working with much. He doesn't have uh, any help to his left or his right. But and that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, it is he, a problem. He. I, I said it on the post game. You know, Shaq has always had to elevate his play to be at the same level or at least try to live up to what Luke and Thomas Davis were. Right. Right. But his but teammates aren't played? having to have that same elevation for him. Okay. Like, it's not. And, and, I, and that's the thing is the people around Luke played better because they were on Luke's team. Right. Luke knew every position. He knew what everybody was supposed to do. And he got he made sure everybody knew their assignments. And yes, it didn't always work out. Yes, we had some bad defenses. But overall, Luke was a staple to why our defense was consistently in the top 10 over Ron Rivera's tenure. That's why we don't want him to be a scout. (laughs) That's why we wish he was a coach. Well, so you're saying basically Shaq's not a good leader. No, no. I think this is that. Are we just spoiled by what Luke Keekley did? I don't look around the league and see all these middle linebackers doing the same shit that Luke did. Yeah, I mean, I again, I mean, that's something that I I think that we've been spoiled over the past twenty years, really, with With linebackers. linebackers, Yeah, not even been the past ten years. It's been twenty years. Yeah, that's the truth. Yeah, Beeston. Thomas Davis, Luke. All cele- been- cerebral, cerebral athletes, too. I, and I think, though, but one, one way is I think you've said that those guys have elevated his play. I think another way of looking at it, and I think this is what Blake Bettis is saying in the chat, is that he needs a compliment, is I just don't think Shaq is as transcendent to raise up a Tareer Whitehead. But if you put... If you put Devin White beside Shaq, like all of a sudden we're talking about like something impressive, he is not enough by himself. And tired Whitehead, folks, we got to stop throwing him under the bus because he ain't got shit. He ain't, the fact is, is he was brought in to just be a body, and the fact that he's playing such a big role is a little ridiculous. At the same time, Stephen Weatherly did make more money. Stephen Weatherly signed a two-year contract. Contract was worth twelve point five million, with six point five guaranteed. If we cut him next year, we he still gets paid two million dollars. We do save six. Um, so we just didn't pay anybody. Robbie Anderson got the most money, and he's only on a two-year deal. All of the yes, you're right. Teddy Bridgewater did. That's exactly right. And even him. Let's look at when we can get rid of him. Um, any other thoughts on that call as we continue to p- plow forward? All right, let's keep going. There's still a lot of calls What's to go, on, so we got to keep pushing. This is your boy, Jay Anderson, hitting y'all up. Man, I, you know, I'm on Twitter, man, just seeing everybody just saying we need a franchise quarterback, which is, yeah, we need a, fr- we need a franchise quarterback. You know, I'm going back and forth thinking, like, Hey, if we get up in the top five, we might as well jump for it, especially for Justin Fields, you know. But through all that, man, 
We got to get rid of Herney, man. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Cody, I'm going to let you cover this call. The best time to get, they should have got rid of Herney was last year. You got to get rid of Herney, man. This is like, we need a, we need a GM that's going to make moves, not just in the draft, not for, just for the draft, but in the free agency, just going to make moves. You know, I mean, you need, you need a go-getter. You need somebody that, you know, that knows how to judge talent. You know, not just first round talent, but deep round in the talent. You're not going to hit it all yes. in every draft, but can, you know, if you got seven picks, at least hit three out of four of those. If you got six, at least hit three out of those. Not just one that's just the first round, you know, and then like, you know, you got to be a, you know, judge of talent, man. You got to know talent. Collide with your coach to know talent, what you, what your, um, what your team needs. Not just for a starter, but somebody that can start, but is a backup. So Herney needs to go. It's just time. It's just really time. And I don't think, you know, Dep um, Tepper, if he wants to win, he got to get rid of Herney. He just got to get rid of Herney. Herney has to go. I mean, I wish we would have had a chance to keep Brandon Beam because, like you said, I watched that video that you said, Cody, and I just, yeah. you know, just seeing what he's doing up there with the Bills and just, and his, and his, he went and yeah. watched the video. So hopefully he can steal Dan Morgan <laughs> from up there. But, you know, Herney got to go. All right, ciao. Appreciate you, man. And listen, Jay's right about this. I'm right about this. There are <laughs> levels There are levels to building a football team. You have to do a number of things well. And if you want to talk about building through the draft and you want to talk about building through free agency – None of the moves that Marty Herney has made in his most recent tenure have done enough to provide that he is worth the job that he currently has. There's no reason to say that someone couldn't do it better, and I can I feel like I have a justifiable list of reasons why Marty Herney has shown us that he is not the man that understands how to build a football team right now and into the future. He's, he's not great at either of those things. And if we're wanting to upgrade our organization at the most important positions, at quarterback and in the front office, then you need to get the guy that you want to build your fan base and your football team into essentially one of the best in the NFL, man. Like David Tepper looks at this like a business, okay? He wants to put smart business people in positions of power. And Marty Herney is not that. He has never been that. He is the last holdout of a regime that is no longer here for the Carolina Panthers. There is no reason to sign him back to any more deals as a GM. He needs to be gone. He needs to be gone. I want to point out, though, that we are, if we can get if and um, I want to give Brad Dugan the credit for this list, listing out how many quarterbacks: Lawrence Fields, Lance Wilson, Trask, Mac Jones, Ian Book, Ellinger. It's a deep quarterback draft. If you are in that, if somehow we find ourselves in the top six, we could land the guy. 
And yeah. we are in a cap situation with Teddy Bridgewater where it will not hurt us at all. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, after this year, will have one year left. We got to pay him. He's going to be with us next year. You can cut him in 2022 and save and save a lot of money. But you could save $20 million, right? Yeah. Um, and to Blake Bettis' question is how much cap money? W- without any moves right now, the Panthers are sitting at... million in space. Now, it says effective cap represents the maximum cap space it has when it signs at least 51 players. Uh, We are behind. We're kind of middle of the pack. Right? We don't have a ton, but I want to see this. Do we have any rollover? Do we have any leftover? Let's see. I don't know if we have any. And then you've got the cuts you're going to make. Right, so you got eighteen million without anybody coming off the books, except for the guys whose contracts expen- uh, are expended. I don't know who the players you are gonna you could potentially cut or release that will save you some today, money. One short would be another. Oh, like let's look 12, at him. Twelve or thirteen million dollars or something. Well, here's the thing is, to do a proper rebuild of a franchise, the two things you absolutely must have is money and draft picks, which neither were bountiful in. You know, we, we don't we're not we don't have a that's ton of not free, an free actual areas. rebuild. So so like, what are we doing then? So I, that's what I just it's don't not understand. A rebuild? I, I, I don't it's not, I don't understand. Listen, we, we have we, too many pieces in place already. Like a rebuild is what you see Miami did. Right, they got rid of every piece they had for draft capital, and then we're they fucked if we cut KK. Sorry, sorry, but, but but see, here's my thing, and this is what I don't understand: is we kind of talk in circles with this. It's like, okay, we're not doing a rebuild because we have enough pieces. We're building forward and work. We're that. building. We're, we're not rebuilding. We we're building. Team. But we don't have a team with any players that are good enough to have a bright future that we can yes, build we on. Yes, so we do. Kind of That's all right. We've we've we said we have young players. We got young players. We got Christian McCaffrey. Okay. We got Robbie Anderson. We got DJ Moore. We got Brian Burns. We got damn uh, Derek Jeremy Brown. Jeremy Chin. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, free age in free space on the on the draft. On the, uh, that's why I agree. I agree. Uh, that's why it's not a rebuild. That's what I hundred percent. Right. Like if it was a rebuild, you would see something along the lines of what the Vikings did when they got rid of Stefan Diggs, right? You'd see them or what the Dolphins did two years ago, last year. Dolphins traded Dolphins, away yeah. everybody. How did the that's Dolphins the trade away everybody and then get better this year? That's I know, insane. That opened up a shit ton of free agent space and they, and they had a shit ton of draft picks. I don't want to fuck with the Dolphins, dude. I've watched their games. Those That team plays. You think that we're a good team? Some people think the Panthers are a good team with a losing record. They are a good team with a winning record. <laughs> so here's my question, guys. Um, right now, do you guys know where we're projected for? I mean, right now, based on our record, where we're drafting? It was, it was ninth or last. Ninth. It's ninth. Yeah. I, I saw ninth, and then I've seen others that have us at 10 and 11. So right now, we're ninth based on Tankathon. If the season ended today, yeah. The teams ahead of us are the Jets. Do they take a quarterback first and foremost? If they're number yes. one, definitely. Yes. Okay. So that obviously then leaves their 
uh, their number one draft pick uh, from a few years ago out there in the hemisphere, right? Um, Jacksonville, do you think they stick with uh, Mustache? No, they're no. drafting the quarterback. Not okay. if they can get Fields, yeah. They would take okay. Fields, Wa- yeah. Washington is number three. We can assume they're going quarterback. Yeah. yeah. No, I think we can as they passed on it this year with an opportunity uh, to give. Has You know, they went with the best player in what, what's that freak and they got Chase Young. The yeah. question going forward is where uh, Trey Lance and Zach, uh, and Zach Wilson, where they're going to end up being evaluated. Because if, if, if Zach Wilson continues to climb, Trey Lance is done. He's played every bit of football you've ever seen him play. And that he's, that's done. Who does he um, play for? He played for the North Dakota Bison. But they're not they're not playing anymore. Why? Because uh, of COVID? COVID. And then they did this one-off game. It was they're gonna have. You mean they play in a league where no where they don't got any teams play? Is that what you're saying? They play in a fake football league. All right, and hopefully we're back. Um, Thank you, Sam Baker, for hanging around. Cody last night had to split, Um, and we were talking about the draft order. The Panthers. With this, do, do not look. It's going to be hard for them to creep higher than what seven. I mean, are we really going to finish that much? Even if we lose, where do you see us finishing or drafting? Not finishing. Not the. We've argued about wins and losses enough. Um, I see. Uh-huh. Where are we drafting at? Are we drafting top five? It doesn't look like it. Top ten, maybe. No, Tony, I see us winning two more games, probably, just fluking and winning two more games and ended up drafting 11th to 14th, just like I said. And that's where we're going to end up. It's where we always happens to us. We always blow it at the end of the year. It's like a couple years ago against the Saints. Saints already won the division. They have the number one seed locked up. We're not going to the playoffs. Our draft pick went from, like, the eighth pick to the 17th pick because we beat the Saints in the last game of the season. Why? Mm. We do stupid stuff like that. We'll draft 11th to 14th. Okay. Um, I forgot what call we were on. Let me see. Have we heard this call? What's up, C3? It's Run DMC Lovato nope. again. Call number two. Oh, hold on. Well, then let's go find call hey, number one. Is, uh, Brandon, uh, don't know if y'all ever took me. If, it, if not, first time caller. If not, second time caller. Um, What's up, Brandon? Big fans. I've uh, been listening for a number of years. Thank you. And... Um, through just all our technical that, difficulties. As of right now, you know, so I've definitely been on the anti Tate Bridgewater, which, you know, y'all have been talking about that a ton. But I just kind of want to say that, you know, in my opinion, I honestly believe that, like, for one, it's not all the offensive line's fault. I think that they're decent. Um, but I also think that a lot of the, you know, sacks and problems are caused by Teddy himself. I think we have a very dynamic wide receiver group. And in my personal opinion, I think we are literally a quarterback and a possibly one or two offensive linemen away from being, and maybe a tight end, away from uh, being that offensive line being really good. And on defense, it's simple. You know, we need some more cornerbacks. We need some more. We need another outside rusher, and we need some more uh, linebackers. But, you know, it's like this. People need to understand that this is going to take a while. It's going to take years. We're probably not going to be good next year either. 
And even if we do budget, and it kind of stinks that, you know, now with those three wins, we probably have, and if we get even a couple, even like one more, we probably just screwed ourselves out of getting a quarterback. Um, mm-hmm. And who knows what's going to happen because if not, we're either going to have to be stuck with Bridgewater or we're going to have to trade up a ton of capital next year to get, get a quarterback. And I don't know who's available next year. Oh, well, 2022. Anyway, you know, this was a frustrating loss, even though I will say that at this point I just don't care. You know, if we lose, we lose. Fine, if we win, whatever. Anyway, keep doing what y'all are doing. We'll keep listening. Y'all are really fun to listen to. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Brandon, for the call. I think, you know, in some ways that maybe we're not as far away as you think is that you – you're right. We might not be great next year, but we could be trending the right way. You add a free agent or two. The offensive line, I don't know. You're right. I don't know. Is that do you fix it through free agency or the draft? I guess is the question. If you fix it through the draft, it's going to take more time than not. You know, what I mean, like that's the thing is you, even if you get the best fucking left tackle in the damn draft, they never play great their first year or rarely, should I say. It's going to take well, a little that, time. That's my issue. Is do you do you would you rather invest into a proven uh, free agent offensive lineman or spend the draft spend a, a top you know ten pick on on an offensive lineman rookie that you don't know what's going to happen with our luck with offensive lineman? I guess it's just where you allocate your money, right? Yeah. Um. Two five two 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 eight fifty nine. Hey, what's up, Ron? It's Ron DNC Lovato. Uh. I got a question for you guys addressing like our holes on the team. I want I want one of y'all to uh talk about what you think in order is our biggest needs and biggest holes and like one through five, what's our biggest holes? Like cornerback, linebacker, offensive tackle, guard, defensive line, whatever it could be, in order. And talk about if you want to address those positions in free agency. Or ah, the hardest question. Uh, that's uh, all I got, man. Okay. Um, I think this is that uh, our top needs, it depends on just what you think is with Teddy, right? Is that if you're, if you think that, that we can kind of build temporarily around Teddy, which probably is the case, and we can't get a free agent, I mean, a top six. We got to be in the top five, it looks like, to get the quarterback that we really, really love. Top six, somewhere like that. So, I don't think quarterbacks are number one. I think it comes to left tackle, corner, linebacker, defensive end, and just anybody on the offensive line, guard or center, too. And I think you have to look at it this way is that you draft the most expensive positions in free agency. And you buy the cheaper positions in free agency. A center is cheaper than a left tackle. A linebacker is cheaper than a corner. Right, The top linebacker gets less money than the top corner. The top center gets less money than the top left tackle. And uh, the same on defensive end. Defensive end, they're expensive in free agency. So I think you got to draft... You got to prioritize those expensive positions, left tackle, corner, defensive end. And then I say you go guard, center, guard, 
you can get a center in like the third round or something like that, and those guys will turn out to be good in a year or two. They will. They just aren't sexy positions enough. I think you go free agency linebacker. I think you go free agency guard. And really, probably all of our, uh, most of our free agency money is probably going to be spent on Taylor Moten. Yeah. Yeah, that's my opinion. All right. Keep, let's keep pounding. Hey, this is. Uh, and it's just us uh, two now. Uh, Everybody uh, dropped out. That's not first time caller, not second time caller. Um, big fans. I've been listening for a number of years. And we heard um, this one again. All right, uh, next call. Oh yeah, man. This is Jay Anderson calling out again. Did y'all see that thing about uh, Matt Rule talking about number fifty-two? He played well. Oh man, uh, I hope he did not. <laughs> Yo, <say> man, that. <laughs> Matt, Matt Rule tripping, man. He, I know he's taking yeah. for his boy. He Matt Rule neither. Fifty-two got to go. You know, fifty-two just got to go. It's true. And I know everybody. And he will. Like, he will. Don't worry. You know, yeah, you can't expect him to be Luke Kuechly. I'm not trying to. You know, Luke. Luke is. Luke is on another level. Nobody was looking for another Luke Kuechly. They're just looking for a solid. Yep. You know, Mike. Just looking for a solid Mike. Somebody that's mm-hmm. gonna do well. You know, somebody gonna do well in that position. Not looking for another Luke Kuechly or nothing like that. This is a solid. This is a solid piece. Hell, AJ Klein wasn't wasn't a Luke. He was a solid piece. You know. True, but he also and didn't play hope, very you much. Know, really hope for the draft and they get rid of him. Hopefully, Matt Rule come to his sister, sit, you know, come to his mind and get rid of his boy. And do not select any Temple players or Baylor players. I just uh, know he's going to. You know he's going to select Temple and Baylor players. He already has a track history yep. doing it. Come yep. on. Yep. All right. Keep going. Lovato again. Call number two. Uh, I got a question for you guys. Let's say we're in the draft, okay? We'll oh pick gosh. Number 10. Where we need Cody. We have Zach Wilson and Trey Lance there. I'm tabling this one for next week. I'm tabling this oh, one for next okay. week. You want I it? I don't know enough about it, but I know that's what I'm saying. Already. That's how that's how I feel. Is like I'm gonna yeah. table that one for next week. Right. Don't worry, so run. Run DNC Lovato, call number three. Oh, call number three. Uh, I have a little discussion about Jenny Marty Kay. Hurry. All right. Good. He's not going to like to hear this. But listen, I think we can come to a place where I think we all agree on, okay? Marty Herney doesn't deserve to keep his job, right? And we're not saying, I'm not saying he's he's horrible. I think he's, probably average, right? And you want to be better than average. You don't want to like consistently just accept average. So we deserve like we need to get a better general manager, right? But there's always that other side of getting another Dave Gettleman that I'm terrified about. Someone that doesn't have the same views as Matt Rule. And say we do kick out Marty Herney. Matt Rule is going to – is he going to be the one to pick a GM? Like, who's going to be the GM? So – and Ooh, I think I'm just more – Good, good point. Up on the GM. Even worse. There's there's way worse than Marty Herney out there, Cody. I know you don't want to see that, but – We're going to bring this back up to him. I'm going to bring this call back next week, too. So, yeah. But I know, I know what Cody's going to say. He's going to say, 
Well, just because you're afraid doesn't mean you still don't take a trigger. <laughs> like we did on uh, Ron Rivera. Like, we could have yeah. been a way worse coach, but we True. still went ahead and got rid of him because he wasn't good enough. And that's what Cody's going to say. He's not good enough, so why, are we, why is he still here? You might have to have rule pick him then. I'm different on the GM. I agreed with the Ron Rivera thing. He wasn't good enough. We this is a great call. Great call. And it's paid off. But I don't think a GM is as easy as a coach. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of scared Ooh, to get rid of Marty the... myself. But what do you guys think? Like, are you more afraid? The reason why you don't want to get rid of Marty is because you're more afraid of messing up and getting another day of gentlemen. Or because you really do like Marty Herney. What are your thoughts on that guy? I have been consistent in this is I did not like the way they approached um, – I thought that I like the idea of bringing in a GM and a coach together and they live and die together, right? The GM picks the coach with the owner, right? So like they get together, they go in and eat meatballs at Matt Rule's house like like it happens with us, right? It did happen that way is like the owner and the GM pick the coach. But what I want to do is you bring in the new GM, you bring in the new coach, and it just says this, is that like if this doesn't work, you don't get to fire the coach and pick the next coach. You already right. fucked up. You pick this coach. So you live together, you die together. I I think that uh, Tyler brings up a fantastic point, and that is that if you bring in a GM and they butt heads with Matt Rule and say it goes like this say um they differ over a draft pick and then we don't do that well and that draft pick gets hurt and then you get this kind of fighting back in this in, like this division inside between the GM the GM is saying well I told you you should pick my guy or the head coach is saying you should pick my guy and you're forcing this on this and that and this and that on me that's the good part about Marty Herney is he's kind of like a chameleon. He can work with anybody. He can work with Jerry Richardson. He can work with David Tepper. He can work with Matt Rule. That is a that's a very good benefit to him. I think if you do pick a GM, Greg, I think what you got to do is this: is I think that Tepper and Rule got to pick them together, and it ultimately makes Rule ahead of the GM. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree with you 100%, Tony. I think that whenever you bring in a new tenure like that, you should have uh, a, new, a coach and a GM should be you know, kind of hired together, kind of at the hip, like a president, vice president type deal. You know, um, I think the fact that they didn't, that they got rid of Cam, they got rid of, uh, you know, Greg Olson, they got rid of, they did change the whole identity of this team, got rid of everybody, the head coach, offensive coordinators, everything, and they didn't get rid of the GM, makes me think they're not getting rid of them. Why would you start? Oh, why would you wipe a clean slate with everybody but him if you're not planning on keeping him? You know, I think Kearney's kind of a. I think Kearney's kind of a. Uh, I'm, I like Kearney in this. Is like I don't dislike him as much as most people do. And but I don't either. Yeah, I kind of feel like Kearney has accepted his role, mm-hmm. and it's like I'm not the big dick GM. You know, it's like, and you have brought that, you brought this up earlier in the show, and I think you're right on the money. Is like, it's almost like rules say that we acknowledge this. We gave rule an eight year contract. Mm -hmm. Hey, you ain't going nowhere, homie. 
And if you do go anywhere, you're getting paid like a motherfucker, and you're going to get a job afterwards. Don't worry. If we part ways with you, we are going to be the ones paying the child support, the alimony. Right. Mm-hmm. I feel like Rule is saying this, is that, like, I think Marty Herney's saying this, is that we know that Rule, this is the Rule show, and Rules are the rules, and I, just tell me what you need, brother. I'll get it done. I feel like he is, and that is maybe the type of GM you kind of need at this point, or you need another guy very similar to that who is going to take his marching orders and fall lockstep. You need a yes man who's not afraid of taking the blame, which we we know, obviously, that's what Herney seemed like he is. And two, you know, going back to replacing the, the GM, like, don't like Cody or Cody's been kind of preaching for, what's the future if you get rid of him? Like, if you have somebody in place, if you have an idea of somebody you want, then okay, I can, I can hear that argument. But I haven't heard any kind of rumors about anybody that could replace him. And like we said, if, if anything, he's average, he's not terrible. So why take the chance to get to get rid of somebody who's ab- I get to get rid of somebody who's at least average when you're a below average team? I guarantee you, if he drafts next year and he hits the first three rounds drafts next year, everybody's going to be on the side of that. Be like, oh, we got to keep Herney. Look what he built for us. Type deal. It's, it's going to change. But I, I think I'm like you. People forget some of the things he's given the team. He has had some bad ones too, but all GMs do. And I just don't see unless you have something out there, somebody that wants to come here. That you know is a better option. What's the point in getting rid of him right now? You know? It seems like he's willing to work with, and and rule seems enthusiastic. Maybe, and who knows? We'll find out. Uh, we'll find out after this year, and then again, the question comes down to when do you bring in the new GM? Right. You know, do you bring him in now? Like, if we start to fall apart, and David Tepper is upset, does he say, "All right, you're done"? Time to bring in the new, the new, the new scouting staff, this and that. I don't really get that feeling right now. No. Why, why would he give Herney one more chance, but nobody else on the team? Why did he get rid of everybody else to keep Herney if he wasn't planning on keeping him for good, you know? And Maybe I yeah. just likes Herney as a guy. That could be a part of it. Maybe He's they, always they well loved, man. That's what the people hate about him is that, like, people like – Herney. Uh, and that's Tim Tizzy's right. He doesn't even make the decisions. I think that that's why. He's like a patsy. He's kind of like a limp dick GM right now. In a good way. Is that he's like a cuck. He's he is Matt Rule's cuck GM. Alright. Uh and 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 you know what? I like Marty Herney. I do. I think he's gets too much trash. I think this is he's done a lot of good things. Those and I continue to say that those contract years are what really has been the shit on him. I mean, has he been sensational? I don't know. I mean, we've got we've had two two two. We have made the Super Bowl twice in our short tenure. We have been a very competitive team. He's doing better than the Hornets are. Uh, oh, that's not <laughs> All right, last call. Last call. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, guys? It's Cody. No, I'm just trying to fuck with y'all. It's Zach again. <laughs> but uh, for real, man, I love this team, and uh, I just want to see him get better. Appreciate what you guys do. Keep it up. Thanks, Zach, that man. Was a great last one to end on right there. Positive note. Nothing bad. I like that. I like that. 
All right. Um, look, it's the C3 Panthers podcast. Ran into our first technical difficulties in a while, man. We've been running kind of smooth for a minute. And uh, I think it was me fucking around because I got like, uh, I, I do believe, and I don't like to, th- I think you can overpower ADHD with your mind. Like, I think that some of it is too, like, I mean, I know that some people have the straight chemical, but I do have a little bit of it. And I've been, like, playing with this thing right here the whole time uh, yeah, on I, the I pocket. The whole time that I'm, yeah. Yeah, and I think it hit my space bar, and I think that that's what, I don't know. I have all these theories about why it froze up. Who knows? I probably I need all new computers. That is actually the true case. <laughs> Uh, there again. All right, let's get rid of this podcast. Um, thanks for sticking around, guys. Thanks for the call and calls. The number is 252-228-5098. I guess it's time to ice some people up. I don't have yeah. any good ice up picks. Uh, I could say YouTube right now, uh, because our podcast went down. Um, do you have any ice up picks in your world of podcasting? I know you are all over the I- map. Yeah, I do. I have two. One kind of Ooh, off the wall, I like and it. one one for a fan. Should I give which one? Yeah, you want a fan bring them a, both. Bring them both. Let's see. Right. So my one's kind of off the wall. I heard a story today about a guy who broke out of prison in 1971. That's been out for 49 years and Hell just got yeah. caught because yeah, he, he changed his identity and everything. Man, totally got away with you know escaping from prison. 49 years he's been out working for CVS as a to go far or as a travel pharmacist. Hell yeah! He got caught stealing pills. Oh, and his fingerprints. They they said they 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 caught him. And uh, I'm was rooting for this guy too. Yeah. So, dude, uh, for him, man, ice up for real. And uh, for my fan one, you know, I got to go back to Sunday's uh, post game show. And uh, brother Herbert, man, uh, in the chat room. Oh, this is a good one. Just please, I got to ice you up, dude, because you you were debating with me the whole show about how none of this was on Teddy Bridgewater. The entire reason we lost was just the defense, that it wasn't Teddy Bridgewater at all. And and, I, and while I don't disagree with you that it was the defense, you can't say it wasn't Teddy Bridgewater. One for eight on third downs, 20 yards of offense in the entire second half. Okay? And you tried to make the argument with me that 17 points is plenty enough points for a team to win if you have a great defense. So you know what I did? I spent my lunch break today going back. And Thank you. Stat. Please let's tell me. Yeah. Tell me all the teams that have held people to seventeen points. Yes, here you go. So last year, I just did last year all of 2019 seasons for two reasons: one because it's a full season of stats, and two because there was no COVID. So I don't want anybody talking about COVID. This no training camp. That so one full season to give us an example: 256 games, 27 games of 256 were won by 17 points or less, and I've given you the field. 17 or anything under that. When a team only got to 17 points, 27 out of 256 games, 10.5%. So, Brother Herbert, if you want to take that and use that as your narrative for what a team needs, you can have your 1.8 wins a year with that stat, okay? Because if you don't have an offense that can score the ball either, you're not going to win. I'm not blaming it all on Teddy, but 20 yards of offense in the second half is also a big reason, especially when you go into a game where it's 17 17 and a half time. It's a tie ball game. You're basically yeah, starting no, zero, 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 yeah, zero, zero then. Zero so, so you're basically starting fresh right there and you got blown the fuck out. So you can say 
he had a great first half, and he did. If you consider 12 passes for 100 yards, a great first half. But, I mean, still, you got to have offense with the defense. 17 points is not going to be enough to win. And just so you know, the top 10 defense, top five defenses last year in 2019, so pull stats from there, Pat's 14.4 yards a game, Buffalo 16.5, Baltimore 18.2, Chicago 18.6, Pittsburgh 18.9. So even the top three of the top five defenses didn't hold teams to 17 points a game last year. I'm, so you want a top one or two defense? Is that what we need to make Teddy Bridgewater look good? Is a top one or two defense? Because I don't have faith in that kind of quarterback. So, I, Herbert, ice up, buddy. Ice up. And here is the thing is I'm okay with you saying that he can win with a better defense. Right? Yeah, like, I'm, I'm okay with that. But when you say 17 points, you're talking about some of the best defenses in the history of football. The Carolina Panthers 20 – 13 defense gave up 15.7 points or something per game. And they were on pace to be the best defense since the Chicago 85 Chicago Bears. And they finished second in the league that year because Seattle gave up like 15.2 points per game. But those are transcendent defenses. You know, so when you keep a team... if. If you keep yeah. a team under 20, if you average under 21, I kind of feel like you're a good defense in this day and age. Maybe even 23 in a way. And so our defense has, you know, I just feel like 17, but shit, is that Trent Dilfer can win with a 17. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like anybody can win with a defense that only allows 17 points. Mm-hmm. Right, I wonder if the Bears are even allowing 17 points that this season. Uh, I'm going to ice myself up today. My ice up pick goes myself because I had a great question that I wanted to ask on the show, and I got distracted by everything, by the show, the calls, and our continued banter. But I wanted to ask this, and I thought it was going to be a controversial question, and that is... As we prepare for the Lions, which this show was supposed to be about, it's called Preparing for the Lions, and we have not we, talked I about the about Lions. I don't even think we mentioned that. the Lions even once. Although Maybe I do think it's a win this weekend. Really? I do. Okay, I so this was my controversial question. Mm-hmm. Do you think the in any like? Do you think in a like if you were given like a written essay? like an essay prompt or uh, something like on a test. And the question was, should the Panthers win this weekend? Should, not can, not can they win, but should they win? Is there any world where the stronger argument is really towards yes? I, I honestly would have to look more at Detroit. I don't know their stats. I don't even know what the record is. Um, they are. But, uh, they are. F- uh, so we're three and seven. They are four and five. So they're not much better. No, they're, they're biased. And then uh, my, the only reason that I think we're going to win is because I have absolutely no faith in the Lions whatsoever. The Lions are are the Panthers for the last few years have been mediocre and like just like middling team for the last one, 10, 10, 11 years. We had a couple good seasons. The Lions are always that team or worse. They're never better. It's always middle of the pack or worse than the league. And I just have no faith in the Lions. I think any team can beat the Lions any Sunday. It just, I don't know. 
Ten Tizzy is with me. Ten Tizzy, we should, should not win. And the reason I thought this was going to be a controversial question and why I wanted to ask it early in the podcast and I was about to ask it and then we got into this other good conversation was, um, and I mentioned it a little bit, as my, I was telling uh, Cody, my fan bias always wants me to say that I'm going to pick the, like I think the Panthers can win. Like, you know, I don't want to pick against them. Like right now, look, we're three and seven, they're four and five. I'm going to pick the Panthers, you know, blah, 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 you know. Yeah. But I understand there's a fan bias, A. B, for me, is this is that I always get the kind of that underlying subconscious fear of being a fan that saying there's a difference between should and can, right? And, and I do think, like, on any given Sunday, and arguably this Panthers team comes out and plays hard sometimes and looks pretty damn good, and we've – played some really you know and we've played up to competition while it always seems like the detroit lions kind of regress to the meat like they play down to their competition so they play a shitty team they play shitty they play a good team they play shitty we play a good team we play well but we lose we play a shitty team we play better my thing is this is i think they are better they're better talented team Right. And uh, and like so I think we can win and I think we likely might win because of all those kind of things you said about them. But look, they got a quarterback that is better than Ted. Like, I mean, like quarterback to quarterback Stafford. I'm ready to take Stafford. If I had my pick of litter, I would take Stafford over Teddy. I would take Stafford over Teddy. Yeah. Right? Is that we've been shitting on our offensive line. I don't know exactly what their offensive line looks like, but if it's worse than ours, okay, then we'll start to have a conversation. But they got some horses on defense. They have a good wide receiver core, Marvin Jones, Galladay, like they, DeAndre Swift. They have talent. They're not an untalented team. I think sometimes we're kind of rosy-eyed a little bit when it comes to rose-colored glasses when it comes to the Panthers. I think we can win. I just wonder if there's an argument if we should win. Um, and at the end of the day, they're, you know, and that's why I'm icing myself up for not asking that question early on the podcast when people are listening and why we had everybody. But anyway, C3 Panthers podcast. Brought to you by CarolinaCatChronicles.com. Thanks for tuning in to part two, stream two. Thanks for my homies, Tim Tizzy, Blake Bettis, um, Trill One, uh, Z Beer D Every Day. That's a tough one. Joseph Broach. Thank y'all, Run DMC Lovato, for checking out our second stream and our first stream and being with us to the end. Uh, we value your time. Uh, at cat underscore chronicles uh greg where can they find man of many podcasts taking a night off to go bounce wow wow tomorrow oh, yeah. on his night out you better oh, yeah. <laughs> you better get <laughs> some wine you better get the boons farm out or whatever you guys do oh yeah my wife's definitely got the plans we got uh the, oh, we got our um we just refinanced our house when we got our uh refund check for our oh, today yeah, yeah you're gonna party it up but uh <laughs> yeah you can find me at the bad daddy 52 on twitter uh check me out there you can find everything i'm on geek golden alliance network um and you can check out all my shows all right guys um and uh don't worry blake bettis i'm gonna play the uh the intro next week so ck can hear it and i'll send there it to go. him too don't worry we're out of here guys we gotta get the hell out of my wife's gonna kill me We'll see you next week.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.